What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pohada Podcast. As usual, I'm the host of these conversations, Matt Browse of Pohada Photography. Please do check that out on Instagram at Pohada Photography. This is a show where I sit down and have conversations with BJJ black belts and BJJ other belts and people who do other kinds of fighting and, frankly, people who do other kinds of awesome stuff. This time around, I cruised all the way across the Twin Cities to chat with my friend Natalie Claviter, who just took part and did very well in the first ever Wisconsin State Girls Wrestling Championship. As you might imagine, she was pretty tired, so I left her alone and decided instead to sit down for a conversation with my friend Chris Claviter and Mr. Brian Olson of Alliance BJJ St. Croix. He's a BJJ black belt, a fourth degree judo black belt, and a four-time Olympian in that judo. It turned out to be a pretty good conversation. Without further ado, our conversation with Brian Olson. Oh, yeah. Snowy's having fun there. Yeah. What? At, at what? What are you talking about? Uh, at state. State oh, wrestling. wrestling. Yeah. Just, the, you know, I mean, you know what these girls do? There was two girls I heard, had overheard a conversation going mm-hmm. of two girls that were homeschooled so they can just focus on wrestling. Oh, dude, that, dude, that's par for the course in a, a lot of places. Now. I mean, yeah, this is yeah. unreal. The competitive nature of mm-hmm. these of the, of the parents they're pushing these kids into, like, yeah, but you know that that's the that's the hard part is, you know, and kids burn out, potential mm-hmm. burnout, from, yeah, from kids like that. I mean, if you're if you if they get put into one section where they're only doing that, it's few and far between that they come out of it as teenagers. Yeah, or yeah. or even before at any time before they reach their potential. I mean, they might go all the way through their senior year, high school, then they're in college, mm-hmm. and they are on their own, and they yeah. can't make the team all of a sudden yeah. or whatever. Right? The, the if they need their parents on their ass like that, mm-hmm. and then also I wonder too, like even if you they could, even if they could tap into it over and over again, I've never ever been honestly probably be able to get a hundred percent into a competitive effort. Yeah, but I'm wondering. And you'd know, like, since I have your ear, how many times do you think you can truly give a hundred percent effort in in a in a situation? You know, like, you have you don't have an infinite amount of no camps you and you don't. Well, I mean, you can't give a hundred. You you're never gonna be at a hundred percent. That's why you peak, right? That's yeah. why they you have to peak as an athlete. But how many times can you go through those training camps where they get you to peak right and to get you to focus right? And everything, you, you, know? you have that. That's why. I mean, if you look at fighters, right? Yeah. You can't fight back to back. No. Because you can't peak for it, right? Right. And so forth. It's the same thing with us. So you're never, you're never gonna fight. You're never gonna fight at peak. I mean, when mm-hmm. we were competing, we used to go from we'd go tournament, then training camp right after, then right on to the next tournament. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you were never like. I mean, your body adapts. It's kind of crazy how your body adapts to it. But the one thing that's hard is your brain. Yeah. That's the hard part. Because, I mean, you may be coming out of that camp just tired and, and yeah. so forth. And, I mean, can your body – can your body can withstand it, but can your brain? That's the biggest thing is where, where are you mentally? Yeah. And if you're, you know, if you're like an IBJJF professional athlete mm-hmm. or you're trying to make a world team that requires so many points or whatever and you have to – Mm-hmm. Or you're a fighter, and you'd only make so much that you have to keep yeah. actively fighting. But if you're a kid, or you're a well-paid fighter, do it rarely. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, you know, if you're a kid, you got to be a kid, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's the, if you look across the board, you're looking, there's sports everywhere. Swimming, judo, uh, 
just so many different sports that are losing athletes at a at that teenage years yeah is because and a lot of it does because like they get stuck into one sport and they never they forget to be kids or their parents mm-hmm. forget that they're kids and they let them be kids and stuff like that and they just uh you know so now a lot of a lot of sports are, are saying like listen play multiple sports mm-hmm. like, yeah maybe you don't come maybe you don't take our avenue but maybe you take another avenue but you come back around to that right eventually it'll pay off but the thing about it is man is that there i'd rather lose a kid Mm -hmm. to go play another sport than to lose a kid completely and them not do anything yeah how's it looking matt all right the um but then one of the problems too is like Oh, that's a pretty agreeable statement for most like mm-hmm. rational people, especially yeah. people on the outside looking. Right? But at the end of the day, these giant eagle trophies that are as big as the kid, who do they go to? The kid who's getting homeschooled and being focused to be a yeah. uh, a specialist, right? Mm-hmm. Even in specialist in just an arm throw. Yeah. And that's how they get to that national title. Yeah. All the way through college, even the college programs, yeah. the drafting of college. They're picking up the kids who've been raised as specialists their whole lives. They're not mm-hmm. picking up the well-rounded. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things about some of these, like, like jujitsu and uh, MMA, is mm-hmm. that sometimes it's so pe- – people get into it later in life. Yep. And they come from from dis- different disciplines. Yep. So it's maybe exposing more of, like, who's a coachable athlete. Exactly. That just never really got the right groove or the right sure. – formula yeah. you know yeah absolutely i saw a kid wrestling and just the smoothness and the way he moved mm-hmm. i was texting people over in his area and i was some coach jujitsu coaches sure. and i was like hey if you get a chance to get this kid in front of some of your grapplers yep. have him wrestle him and then him watch him move around this kid needs the right coach in front of him yeah. and he'll be able to just do amazing things yeah you can just see it in some people right yep so you know, that's one of the benefits I think. We, why we see like uh, a guy who's just a really good JUCO athlete yeah. all of a sudden going yeah. to MMA and become a champion, sure. right? Translates and and everything kind of transitions to to the right stuff. Yeah. Versus being uh, a specialty in one thing. Now the other hand, MMA you can't. We've seen now enough kids who try to specialize and grow up as MMA fighters from the time they're ten. Right. They've been training specifically for MMA, and sorry, you just need. Like an Olympian, like mm-hmm. a gold medalist, especially, right. you just need every single piece of that formula, yep. and it has to fall into place yep. at the right time. Absolutely, and everything has to be perfect for that to happen. So you can't bank on that. Yeah, your Rory McDonald's, your you're probably your best case scenario for your ninety nine point infinite nine percentage of the mm-hmm. people. You'll get money, and you'll get to do it for a little, yep. for a little bit, but oh, you're never going to be that GSP of it. Everyone was like, "What? Didn't you want to go into fight?" I'm like, "Nope." I'm like absolutely not and they're like why i'm like you know you punched in the face and have nothing to show for it mm-hmm. i mean the likelihood that you're gonna make what some of these guys are making now mm-hmm. is very it's, it's very very low i'm like I, I got hit in the head enough when i was competing in judo the last thing i want to do is going to get punched in the face mm-hmm. plus i was older when i stopped but just like man i mean and that's it, if it's a gamble that's a gamble yeah that's if you're going into yeah you know at your age you probably would have been more likely to get into the UFC scene and into the mm, UFC yeah. contract. But 
you know, if you would have started when you were in your I would have had to make early transition. 30s, yeah, early, late 20s. Yeah, yeah, if I was going to do something like that. But then, conversely, the money you'd be making, it'd be like, if you're a big-time fighter, 100 and 100. Right. I mean, that's a... But then how much, you know, one thing I don't know is how much do you actually keep of that? Because, I mean, I know a certain percentage goes to your management. You have mm-hmm. to pay your coaches. You have to pay mm-hmm. your taxes. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you, and what are you tax- truly left with after all that's said and done? Your taxes, I've heard, are because you got so much at one time. It's like 35% or something like in that. In the highest bracket. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you have to pay your own insurance. Yep. You have to heal it from your fight and recover in your fight. Yeah. And you know guys like Tom Brady are saying they spent twenty or whatever fifteen percent of their of their salary yeah. yearly salary on their recovery. Yeah. And these fighters are you're asking them they have to do the spend a good chunk of that. It's it's funny. One of the guys the other day said for a million dollars I'd take a hit from Mike Tyson. I said, dude, you'll spend more than that in in, in <laughs> medical bills after you get, trying to recover from that hit. Then that million dollars will go any this, further. The therapy you need from the CTE alone. Oh my god. Even if you blocked it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you know. So well, the re- and the real percentage to think about is like the actual percentage of people who actually make any money off of any of it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you can start saying, okay, guys at this level make this much money. Guys at this level make a whole boatload of money. It's like, well, what's the percentage of population we're talking about? You know. Well, I'll tell you what. Probably the smartest guys in that whole bracket are the managers, right? Mm, for okay. sure. Promoters. Yeah, they don't have to take any any yep. necessary shots, but you know if they're doing right by their fighters and stuff like that and getting them in the right place then well that's the hard part people have shown over and over again yeah not just in in entertainment in general once you start taking care of the talent Mm -hmm. it seems like it's hard to keep the business afloat not a lot of people can afford to properly pay their their takes it takes a lot man and one of the good things we're seeing in mma and in jujitsu lately, I think is that there's a lot of competition right now heating up to be like, mm. with Francis, essentially being a free agent, yeah. as a heavyweight champ with no championship clause, and Tyson Fury offering him money, all the way down to things like ADC, ADCC is becoming as popular as the yeah. IBJJF World Championships. Yeah. So now the IBJJF is now forced to consider changing certain policies that are that are not fan favorites. Right? Well, change is good, right? As long mm. as it's as long as it's going to help bring the 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 sport or whatever up, right? Well, what, it depends on what up is. Is up is like the best competitors coming to the top and showing us the most magical style of our right. game, or is it putting money in their pockets and making sure that this is a huge market that keeps growing and growing? I, I think it's both, right? I, I think it's I think it's going to be a a bit of both. I mean, you want to see the athletes be able to. If you really want to see what the athletes are capable of, then. Then they be then they're full time athletes, right? Mm-hmm. But you also want to see it's not just about those athletes; it's all about all the other people that are competing, the masters and all mm-hmm. all those individuals as well. But I think when that when you're looking to fill pockets, you yeah. also have to put butts in seats, and what puts yeah, butts in seats do. is controversy. So now <laughs> you're not get, you're gonna get. <laughs> well, I mean, you look at what's going on right now with Gordon and. Mm-hmm. and Gaval, right? I mean, perfect example. Yep, and Gordon. You need your Jim Duggan and your Iron Sheik. Yeah, you, you do. You need that that WWE esque. Um, and people, and that thing. that ruffles feathers, and people don't like that because it takes away it takes away the some of the spotlight from the purity sure. of the art, and people want to watch the art of it. Yeah, you know, it's a distracting side piece to them, so it can't really work grow in both ways. Yeah. You know, but I do. I I personally would prefer to sell sell the entertainment, 
And I think the sport definitely we've seen it over and over yeah. again. No, no, these sports. Period. When the audience grows, so does the level of talent. True. Now, what's going to happen is though, you're no, gone are going to be the days of you go to a seminar with your favorite athlete and get to go yeah. roll with them, or yeah, even go to their that gym. Will happen. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take pictures at a seminar with Hodger Gracie in a couple of weeks. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of the greatest. Yeah, that's that shit's never going to happen if it actually does blow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you don't. So uh, and that's one of the things I've been enjoying since I got into this. But you're already seeing like you can't go to uh, a lot of these gyms in New York and just. No, I mean we had Lucas, you know. Yeah. Lucas Lapree and. I mean, we didn't. No one rolled afterwards, but I mean, he was just showing. But that's not. He was there to sh- to show technique, not to not to train with the guys and stuff like that, you know. But at the same time, yeah, the guys who do want to go to seminars, it is there is a lot of. Uh, it's like why you'd go to a, any convention, sure. you know. You want to meet somebody who's influential, sure. one of the artists who drew yep. a, like a comic or whatever. And yep. You're paying money, and you're picking their brain is, especially if you're taking notes. If you're gonna pay that kind of money. You Bring a notebook. Notes, yep. um, but if you're going to get something out of it, you know, if you're the type of person who can w- go to one seminar and retain it, then good for you. I'm not. So I'm, largely yeah, I go to seminars I'm, because I'm I want to. I'm not one of those individuals. Yeah. I want to go get the picture and yeah. just kind of, you know, maybe. Um, Hadolfo, when he came into the his seminar sure. years ago, he did uh, takedowns with people. He just, mm. who, who can he score did, two? Did he do his drop, say, his drop Sanagi? He yeah. Outside, yeah. And he was doing them light. He's just, to some yeah. of the black belts, some of the Brazil, especially the Brazilians, he was sure. kind of tossing some people. Yeah, um, yeah. He when it came time for me, I I think I was like, uh, God, this is a while ago. Maybe three stripe white. No, I was a blue belt at the time. Anyways, he was talking to the Brazilians mm-hmm. when I walked up, but we already bumped hands, and then mm-hmm. he they distracted him. He started talking. So I threw a sweep single and then mm-hmm. took him down and <laughs> got up and just ran off the mats. And it's on video. I was like. Hey, so I sent it to John sometimes. Like, hey, John, remember that time I took down? Adolfo? <laughs> uh, <coughs> take him when you can get him, I guess, right? Oh, yeah. Dirty is <laughs> the only way I win. You've seen Crazy. me roll. Hey, man. Gotta get, if you don't come up with any scuff marks, you're not, you're not going hard enough. Oh, yeah. Natalie's face after yesterday. Oh, I bet. After back to state. All those girls came out of there looking like it was the... Uh, D, like D1 champions I'm uh, telling you the girls are I think the girls are more brutal than the guys to be honest with you um I think the ones who are matured matured to that point mm-hmm. especially the girls who are juniors and seniors right. they definitely fight like adults mm. they could a lot of these girls who were t- placing and meddling right. yesterday could go to your MMA and Jiu Jitsu gyms and mm. scuff up a lot of the I'm adult sure. women oh, I'm sure um, boys, it's not the same. Yeah, like even if course. even a state champ boy goes against a pretty good M- pro MMA fighter, they're gonna fighter. have a lot harder time. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just different, right? And yep. it's because of that they matured so yep. they've been matured for so long. And yeah, so that's another thing too, though. When you like if with the boys, the seventh, and especially like states like Minnesota, where you can start competing as a, a high schooler mm-hmm. in seventh grade. So you've got like one phenoms, Mark Halls and Gable Stevensons, who win state titles in middle school. Right. I don't even know if that'd be possible as a girl, because you have a mm. senior and a seventh grade girl are so they're so so different. different. Yeah. Body is completely different. Mm-hmm. You even the, some of the ninth grade girls, you can kind of see they still got those little like pot bellies, like, mm-hmm. you know, and stuff. You're like, wow. And the other one they're going against is just a muscled out like CrossFitter. <laughs> and you're like, hey, she drove her kids here. This is yeah. on the side of the mats, you know. 
You got to do what you got to do, man. Yeah, you know, but you know, it was great watching them all. They, they went out there and they wrestled. Technically, just a lot of, after this first peer, first round, there was a lot, the girls who were still left were tech, technicians at least. Mm. You know, started picking the athletes. Right, right. Started separating now in the next round. Sure, sure. And then some of your real season wrestlers. Yeah. Started really they'll start rising out. to the top and you'll mm-hmm. start seeing them come through. And I was excited. I was excited just as, as a fan of grappling, just to go watch the finals. Sure. Because they, you saw hungry kids pacing those hallways. Just you know, you get to be the first ever state champ, first ever in history. So this was the first for women. Yes. Complete. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. So. Was it? Was it only the women? Mm-hmm. Or girls, I guess. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was a uh, girl. Did they already do boys state? No, that's in almost a month from now. Yeah, that's okay. what, March. Yeah. Yesterday yeah. I was recording with Darren, and he's lifelong involved in wrestling and he was like why are they doing it now and i was like i think it's just the girls and it's the first time ever sort of they wanted to get them their own spotlight as they should it's Mm -hmm. growing it's growing leaps Mm -hmm. and bounds they know yeah we had 26 in our bracket and uh yeah and then they said next year they'll probably have to do a qualifier yeah that's great second year so that's great they sold out of shirts they sold out of merch that's always a good sign it's always a good sign Mm -hmm. Mm. uh Sorry, I feel like we just. Uh... That's funny. I didn't even record. I didn't even see her up there. She was on the couch. I didn't even see her. She was covered up with that blanket. Absolutely gone. Did you compete a lot as a kid? I did. Yeah. In judo. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you started judo? Six. Six. Yep. The fuck does judo at six? Me. There's <laughs> a in Maryland. There's no in Florida. I'm from okay. Florida originally. Okay. Yep. Yeah. What yep. What part of Florida? North? Tallahassee. All right. Tallahassee area. So I grew up in a small town called Woodville. That's nine, fifteen minutes south of Tallahassee. How? So who was the judo instructor? Uh, it was a local guy. Uh, so FSU, Florida State University, used to have a judo program back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a lot of guys from that area and stuff that actually were on that team um, and went to college there and graduated from there. And one of the, uh, my first instructor was actually one of those guys and stuff like that from the area. Um, you know, just a, a local guy and stuff that yeah. that competed and stuff. Never did anything nationally or anything like that. Just how do you get a hold of six year old you? Was your uh, my 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 dad put us in it? Was your dad a judo guy? Uh, nope my dad was my dad was in the military, okay. army, stationed in Korea. He had yep. seen it there. Never did it, but liked it. And yeah, it was a summer thing. Kind of yeah. get me and my brother out of the house. Yeah, and put us in it. And it was just kind of it was at our local elementary school that they had where we had the mat and stuff and put it up, take it down every day and mm-hmm. just kind of started. That's kind of where it started. But yeah, I competed a lot as a, as a kid. When, we did, were, when we did you start competing? Six. Six? Did. You know, and here's the thing, but the one thing I'll say about that, I think it's a different era, right? Different. Um, that's something I wanted to do. Like my, my parents made it fun for us. Like it wasn't like just, Hey, it was, it wasn't all about the competition. Like, mm-hmm. For, I think first junior nationals I did was in Illinois, and we we had an Airstream camper, and then we we drove up there and we camped at campsites, and it was a family it was a family thing, like it was a family trip, regardless of how I did. Yeah, it was a family trip, and we had fun, and we were together as a family, and it was it was a good time. There was very little pressure to to win and stuff. To, I, but I obviously I was pretty competitive as a little kid. Well, how old were you for this first junior nationals? Six. Oh, you're six for the first six, year. Yeah. Oh, you went right to the top. Well, right it away. just well, it, it was just you know, it, but the junior nationals are different, right? I mean, now I got. I mean, there was a lot of kids at that. There was more kids, I think, at that time. But 
I mean, I did. I got thumped pretty good. Mm. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, you know, I came off in tears just like most kids do at that age if they they take a, a beating or they get put in a position they're not they're, they don't understand or recognize. And do you remember your mindset at the time? No, man, I was six. Bro. I mean, uh, that, my mindset was let me get some ice cream afterwards. Right, right. Let's Who go the get... fuck has a mindset? <laughs> well, at six. I'll tell you what, Natalie, when she was seven or eight, came out of yeah, but bro, how old is she? <laughs> 50, 50, no, but I'm 48. I can't I was just remember one, I was that just one, If you happen to, because maybe it clicked um, something. Maybe something just like, man, like, ah, man, I hate losing. I really I, like this experience, but I'd like it a lot better if I won. Or some kind of well, fell in love with a sport think, or some kind of thing. Well, that, I think, you know, I mean, I was winning locally and regionally and stuff yeah. like that. But, I mean, when you – then when you go to that level, right, and then all of a sudden you're not local, regional, whatever, yeah. you're, you're drawing kids that are – you know, pretty yeah. studs at that at that age. I mean, some pretty talented little kids and yeah. stuff. And but what made a six year old get thumped up and go? You most normal six year olds are gonna go, hey, okay, I love that, but let's skip the part where I get beat up and just get the ice cream and do the camp. Man, I just, let's just <sighs> what made you go, hey, let's do the hard part too. You know, at that young. Well, age. it was just it was fun. Like I was, I I actually enjoyed it. Like it was just something I liked to do. Like it was, yeah. I, I don't, I can't say what it is. I mean, but it was just something that. You know, I enjoyed co- competing. I mean, I grew up, my mom's one of 12 kids, so I have a mm-hmm. bunch of cousins and stuff. So we grew up just, you know, around each other, doing all kinds of sorts of stuff and yeah. playing football and doing all that sort of stuff, you know, backyards and stuff. So I don't know, maybe that, that drew it. But I, I think your competitiveness is also something that's kind of, for a lot of kids, it just comes with you. I've right? watched a lot of little kids go through their first rough oh, experience. Man, let me tell you. And not... I've watched their faces. Oh yeah. After the throughout the day afterwards. Yeah. And there are little kids who are just kind of have this back of their mind like I'm coming back after this and I'm yeah. doing this again to try to do it better. Even as little kids, they oh, yeah. probably aren't processing it that cognitively. Right. But there's other little kids who are just like almost have fear like I never want yeah, to get to I this. was I wasn't one of those kids. Yeah. I I I, I could definitely say that I, I I enjoyed the competition mm-hmm. side. Now I got scared. I got nervous. I, yeah. I mean, all the way through my competitive career, you're always nervous, but you know, it's not something I ever sh- shied away from. It was something that kind of always was drawn, drawn to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How old are you? And you got what, what are the judo ranks for kids? Uh, so it's white, yellow, orange, green, blue, purple, brown, black. Okay. So a lot of belts for kids. Oh, they have black belts for kids. No, no, no. Oh. Black would be your like. That's that's kind of like your. If you're coming up as a junior, yeah, you're still gonna go through because like a senior rank would be like white, blue, kind of kind of like mm-hmm. purple, brown, black, and stuff. So you'd get into those phases. So I, mm-hmm. I got my black belt when I think I was I 16. I think I was 16 when I got my black belt. Now. This for me is the controversial side of what I think, especially what I know with jujitsu now and stuff like that. Uh, I personally would like to see people go longer before they get their black belt in judo. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think there's I think people put it on them because they think they have to have it to compete internationally, and I I, I don't I don't agree with that now knowing what I know. Um, yeah. I, I would like to see them because I, I don't think they really truly understand the meaning of what a, what that belt means. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a lot of work to get there, but I think there's also a tremendous amount of growth that happens, you know, into your, your teen years, your, your up to, up to your upper twenties. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and stuff like that. But man, it's just, um, 
I would like them to see them take them a little bit longer than than what it what they do now. I just I see so many kids, and yeah, maybe they're great juniors, mm -hmm. but the reality is is juniors is just one journey. It, it's okay. What do you, what do you do after juniors? Mm -hmm. That's where it really that's where you really find out what kind of black belt you truly are. Do you stick with it, or is it something that you know you kind of fade away? Which you see so many people do they can't make that transition from junior to mm -hmm. senior and you told me about this before the gym that you didn't win a lot in no juniors. nope i never won a junior national until i was man i think i was like 17 i was always like second or third and what like, stopped you from giving up hope like saying um, i'm gonna this is gonna click i will i think there. my parents were a big factor in that like they they always kept encouraging me Mm -hmm. And I knew I had the ability to do it. It was just something I think I hated losing mm -hmm. and not accomplishing it mm -hmm. more than I liked winning kind of kind of a thing, you know, so like, like I, I didn't I wasn't willing to give up and not feel like I hadn't accomplished what I I knew I could potentially accomplish as a high schooler who's this competitive and this on this national scene for so long. How much time were you spending being a high schooler? Man, I, I mean, I went to high school. Like, I, I wasn't homeschooled. I went right. to high school. I Now, I didn't. Now, what I will say is I wasn't the kid out going to dances and yeah. doing that. I was I was traveling pretty much every weekend. Like, and my it, parents, we'd go to tournaments all the time. I'm assuming after school, homework, then judo. And then yeah, yeah. And, and, and growing up, I was also doing gymnastics. So, like, oh, like wow. when I was in middle school, I literally would go to school all day. Mm -hmm. Then I would take the city bus. Mm -hmm. I'd go to gymnastics. And I was at gymnastics for what two two and a half hours, and then I go right from there to judo right after that. My uncle would pick me up and take me over to the gym because my parents obviously they were working too and stuff. So I had a lot of help, you know, growing up getting me where I needed to be. But I yeah, I was like, were you talk about being at home? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't at home during the week very much at all. Yeah, you know. And so you're, yeah, you're. That's kind of one of the. Uh the things that people I think have a hard time understanding is you're living an adult life yeah. as a kid. Like you yeah. kind of skipped the kid thing. Well, I, but I didn't, you know, I no, you had I a just, lot of fun, but I now did. you're kind of being a kid as an adult. You get to be hanging out in the gym and still doing the stuff you enjoy doing as a teenager and as yeah, a child. But you know what? We didn't have the things that kids have today, right? We don't, we didn't have iPads and we didn't have, dude, I didn't have yeah. cable TV. We had four, four local stations, but kids still had the same attitude. I walk around these high schools for yeah. these tournaments or whatever. I still see these kids, the, the mopey head. Like, that was me as a kid, just directionless. You don't even have a, de yeah, a I knew, desire I, to have a I knew where I, I knew I wanted to go to the Olympics at 10. Yeah. I, I knew it. Like, that's I'd seen, I'd seen a guy win an Olympic bronze medal, 84, win an Olympic bronze medal. Um, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know, that's what I want to do. And that guy actually turned out to be my coach. Mm -hmm. And it's still my coach today. And so you, from 10 through your teen years, you're getting your black belt. You're doing well enough at junior nationals where you feel you belong. But then as you get closer to being an adult and you're not winning them. So, so what, what ha I think what happened was, is that here, here's the problem. People put their eggs into ju the junior level as like, it's if that's how I define myself. Right. And I, I know a lot of coaches over the years that did this. They had some phenomenal junior players, but they never made the transition from junior to senior. They never, they could not. They would get into the senior, and then all of, all of a sudden the person 
that they would beat throughout their whole junior career. I was one of them. I had a guy like that. Then I started beating them as a senior because I think for me, the focus wasn't on being the best junior player I could be. It was like, okay, if he wants to go to the Olympics, the juniors, that's not going to get him there. It's, it's, this is what's going to get him there. And so they focused on They, they gave me the tools at an early age to be a great senior competitor versus worrying about the juniors. What's the difference between a senior and a junior competitor? Would you say some key points? Um, I think strategy is a big one. Strategy is, is a huge one. Being able to grip, grip fight. Okay. Um, that's not something you have to have necessarily as a junior because you can, you can do certain throws and certain things and your body is still developing and growing. So when you were young, you were working your hand fighting. I was drills. working. Yeah. You, you, yep. You, would you say that I'm not familiar with judo, but in wrestling, hand fighting is something that kids skip over a lot because it seems so okay. Obviously you clear the hands like this, but when you actually try to do it real time, it's so hard. Mm -hmm. So the real good wrestlers have been disciplined to hand fight for minutes, yep. 10, 15 yep. minutes. Yep. And they get just used to that pattern. Yep. And then everything else starts opening up. So they, but not a lot of kids are going to do that. Just like chaining. Yeah. Chaining in jujitsu, wrestling, judo. Yep. A lot of kids aren't doing this. They'll just, they'll drill one thing over and over again, but they're not learning the, the how overall. to get from here to there. Or if yeah. this person the does concepts. that, if they do that, what, then I have to do this kind of a thing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, I think, I think, so I think those things were were big right mm -hmm. but i also think work ethic you know with yeah. juniors they do certain things like my coaches at the time were giving me more they were putting me they were putting me in situations that are going to be more adult focused mm -hmm. and now my i could handle it right I, yeah. I mean i was able to handle it but um i mean i was competing against grown adults at 14 mm -hmm. so i mean i was i was competing at the nationals i was doing all the senior nationals and yeah, I took my, I took some lumps and I gave some and I, you know, growing up, you gotta, you have to take your lumps. I mean, there's a difference between even on the national circuit, you know, when I, I took my lunch lumps coming up there. Um, but man, then when you first go international, guess what? You're going to get a lot more lumps. Yeah. It's like resetting. There's levels. It's like black belt levels mm -hmm. in jujitsu. There's, there's black belts and then there's black belts and then there's black belts right yeah. i mean there's just different levels to it yeah. um and it, you have to go through that you're gonna go through that and you're gonna take your beatings and you're gonna i just i i don't know maybe i like taking beatings or something <laughs> or maybe that i just i wanted to be the one finally giving the beatings i, yeah. I couldn't leave anything without you know just taking beatings i guess I mean, i'm sure some. throughout that journey and to this day there's plenty of times when you are the you're at such a different level than everybody else in the gym, especially opening a new gym in kind of sure, a, a sure. more remote location where you can't really find people who are giving you that push and are giving you that beating. So that's a tough one for a black belt. Like yeah. it, it's like, it's as somebody who grew up actually like a moth going to that flame over and over again. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, it, the thing about it is though, man, I think at the place where I'm at now, um, I, I have to put my competitive side a competitiveness to the side, right? Mm -hmm. It's not, a, I had my career. Um, mm -hmm. and now I'm, I mean, the school, I'm, I'm going to I'm a business owner. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I want to see if I'm the best guy in my gym after seven years, mm -hmm. I've failed as an Academy owner. Yeah. 
I've failed. It, it may be, it, and it's probably even before that. I, I saved seven years just because we're still new, right? And we're kind of remote, right? So, yeah. but if I'm the best guy at that time, I, I've failed as an academy owner. Yeah. Because now where I'm at, the, the measure of success is, are my students growing? Mm-hmm. Are, are my, my kids as they grow, are they getting better and stuff like that? Yeah. You know, that's the measure of success for me. People ask me all the time. I mean, wow, are you going to compete? Are you going to compete in jujitsu? And I'm like, I'm like, there's, there's two things to that. Like, I, I can't just compete. Mm-hmm. I'm not made that way. Mm-hmm. People are like, can't you just compete for fun? No, I'm sorry. I can't. Mm-hmm. I'm not made that way. Yeah. Like, it, the mindset when I think when you've competed, whatever sport it is at, at a high level, um, it's hard to go back. Like it's hard to just, it's hard to go compete and do it for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, my mindset shifts very, very quickly and I get tunnel vision very quickly. Um, because if I'm going to compete then then I know what I have to do to win and yeah. I'm not competing just for fun. I compete, I would compete to win. When you I do exhibition that, matches, would it be the same? I, dude, attitude? I would come. I yeah. Come out. The it gate. doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because because and I, and like I said, I think it's just the way my brain's wired from so many years of 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 competing. I mean, dude, I was I was gone for six months at a time, mm-hmm. you know, overseas and traveling and fighting for a Dutch team and doing different stuff and that's just my the way my brain's wired. Even today, like, and that's why yeah. I have to be very careful about where my focus is at because if my focus is that mm-hmm. then it takes away from my academy my mm-hmm. students and even worse it takes away from my family mm-hmm. my, my kids and stuff and i don't my wife went through you know she went she i mean i was at the olympics she was pregnant with our first son so mm-hmm. she couldn't go so she's you know she sacrificed that time and stuff mm-hmm. and she's very good if i told her hey listen i want to compete but this is what it's going to do she would support it 100 percent, but I also, my boys are 13 and nine now. So yeah. I'm like, I want to be they successful. Right. Too. Exactly. You know, they do. So, apart yeah. So it's, 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 where does my focus need to be? I had yeah. my, I had my competitive, my competitive career. Well, that's and a lot maybe of I'll do it. That's a lot of plates to spin too, though. And you know, it's a lot plate, of plates to spin. Those are big plates. You don't want to yep. go crashing down. It's well, and you know, I mean, what dry, I love, tr- I mean, you know, I'm mm-hmm. on the mat training. I, I'll train with every single one of my students. I don't, what about like issue. these super fights that are, that are going around? You have any interest? In, like, could you, I don't know, man. It's just, but see, the thing about it is I, I don't think I could, like I, my mindset would have to, I couldn't just go do it. Like, yeah. like I would be all in. I'm you either be, all in or thinking about all that out. competition all the time. Yeah. And it, and it throwing kettlebells. It, yeah. Around and people. it would, it would, I don't want to say it would consume me, but yeah. it, it would because that's I don't I don't know any other way to do it. Damn. Yeah. I just don't know any other way to you do it. Keep and I, that I tiger think, in the cage but here's all the, the thing. time. I think if you go talk to any if you go talk to any you go talk to any wrestler yeah. that competed at a high level. Yeah. And I guarantee you they probably would tell you the same thing. Yeah. Like I, I just I can't I, I just don't know any other way to to do it. Like here, here's a perfect example. Why do you see high level jujitsu guys that have academies, mm-hmm. but they're not running their academies? Yeah. Cause they, they gotta have focus someone on... running it for them. Yeah. So they can do what? Focus on their game plan. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, and, 
and that's brilliant, right? If you had that person to do it and you're able to do that. Um, but man, I mean, it's, I just don't know any other way to do it. I really, I, I, I don't know. I just, I can get in with you guys and I can train with you guys and I can have fun. And I can yeah. enjoy myself. And, still and I don't, but I don't get competitive. Like I, with, with my guys, I don't get, <laughs> at least I don't feel like get, get, uh, unless someone gets froggy with me and then, then, you know, you got to get a little froggy back. But the thing about it is, is I can, I can get on the mat with you guys mm -hmm. and I can work through stuff with you guys. I can have, can have fun with you guys. Yeah. We can talk about things, but man, when you get, there's just something about when you step on the mat to compete that mindset shift and it, I mean, I don't care. I'm, I'll probably be 80 and I'll probably do the same thing. Dang. You know, it's just your mind changes to that because mm -hmm. that's been ingrained, I think for so long. How, yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing about competing. That's really tough for people. I'm a, I'm a mess around competitor at best, right? Like, yeah. I'm going to, the reason I'm going to enter competition is so I'll get on the treadmill or I'll, yeah. I'll take it a little more seriously. You're already taking it seriously anyways. Dude, if I was an Olympian, I'd compete in all these local events and just be slamming beers and eating yeah, pizza and be dude, like, I'll I just, still toss you on your head. You know, I just, I don't know, man. But, I just, I, I just, I, I, I would say I'm pretty, I'm probably pretty straight laced, I think, I, in a lot yeah. of ways, you know. But and I get it because like, you know, a level of like being almost as close to perfect as probably a human uh, being. I, don't you know, know, I, was, I was pretty far away from perfect, but I'm sure you've been dialed, dialed pretty and you're pretty dialed in person. Just relax. I try, I try to be man, but I, that's taken a lot of, mm -hmm. that's taken a lot of times, man. I mean, I like the one thing about being an Olympic athlete, I think is that you live in a tunnel. Yeah. You live in a, you, you live in that, that tunnel and it's, it's, oh, sorry. It's this, right. It's yeah. just everything here and everything outside of here. Yeah is just it, it it almost doesn't exist at times mm -hmm. you know i think that's why people look up to olympians so much is because they want to be in that tunnel in their own world right whatever's yeah. important to them yeah. they want to have a passion that yeah. gets distracts them from all the, you don't see a, a lot of olympians making a lot of comments on instagram because no. they don't have time for that shit. well you know? i i i just i tell people this i'm like listen if you're if you're having to to get in it with people on social media I, I last thing i want to do is tell tell someone how good i potentially was mm -hmm. or good I, if you i don't have to my i just look at it as my actions would always speak louder and yeah i won and i lost i mean that's that's just part of the game right yeah but man i just i don't have time to be on and getting in debates on social media with people and stuff and plus social media is a place of so much negativity mm -hmm. I, I want anything that i post to try to be as positive as possible and it, it's hard. That social media stuff will suck you in. That's why I don't yeah. try to do anything on my personal stuff anymore. It's usually just normally my, business stuff. My social media is almost entirely memes and people in street <laughs> fights getting beat up. Like it, yeah, I somehow yeah. got the algorithm to just give yeah. me that now. Oh, no I'll more, no more negativity. Just random drunken street fights. Oh, just yeah. And then they're just. Oh, throwing, was it you that posted the one and the guy's got in a fight in a restaurant and the guy like backhanded the guy and he like bent his back over the. No, I just posted I, that this it, morning. He like kisses his knuckles and yeah. just all like elaborate uh, gives him a shot. Oh, you see that? It's hysterical. Like, yeah, I just I I don't know, man. It's. I just I try to just stay in my my own bubble, mm -hmm. enjoy what I'm doing. I mean, but that's what people are jealous of. They they can't get past those distractions. They don't have something that that magnet that pulls them like a magnet into the back. Oh shit! I got to go back to focusing. Even yeah. as jujitsu people, the reason we, even if we're like casual people, sure. not competitors, not super competitive people, yeah. 
the reason we like it is because we have this little game to think of all day in our head. To yeah. go, well, when I go play that tonight, what different left, right, up, down maneuver am, yeah. I, am I going for to make my friend juked out a little yeah. bit to prove to myself yeah. Yeah. that this whole day of, you know, it's always something to think about. Yeah. And if you don't have that, your, your brain's going to be looking for it. Oh, well, I think, I think you're lost, right? You're, you're almost mm-hmm. lost. And if it's not that, yeah. it's, there's people who are really into their diet, hiking, you know, I mean, going sure. up mountainsides, sure. mountain paces. Yeah. And, and people just constantly are like, they, they are so appreciative to, mm-hmm. s- to witness somebody. Yeah, in that realm, and then then they could just maybe take a little bit back home with them. And yeah, say, yeah. I think the the one thing about judo that's really tough too is, you know, so with judo, you don't you got one shot, right? You literally have one day. The Olympics is one day for judo. Oh my god, uh, it's one day. So you you work your lifetime for, or you you know everything goes in quads, right? Mm-hmm. So you work that four years for that opportunity that you've potentially dreamed about for forever mm-hmm. and um man if you you have a misstep if you um get a bad call mm-hmm. uh that four years you're just like if you just can't wake up that day if you yeah let's say you just you just are not on your your mind is just somewhere else and i mean it's that i think that's why like i only know one way yeah is because everything was geared for that one day like everything was that day yeah and there was no like hey i could go in and have a couple matches and maybe squeak by and not have the greatest day and then come back the next day and yeah. really just thrash it right yep. or you, i could drop my title right and then in two months from now right have a rematch can't do it and get it back can't do it you no. it, it you had to be all cylinders had to be fired once on every four years yep. it's, it's an instantaneous sport too very clear. It's not like yeah. running the 10K at the Olympics no. where you can adjust your pace and nope. draft and nope. then recover. Yeah. No. It's three to five seconds yeah. tops most of the time. Right? And it's it's it can be tough. Like a drop that, of sweat in the wrong spot. And you're one, <laughs> three, four. Oh, dude, someone steps on your foot and you trip mm-hmm. and you stumble. Mm-hmm. Can and happen. You, we've all known that day. We're like, man, I just cannot get I've out of this I've had a lot fall. of those days, man. I had 2,000 I had that day. The, I, was, I was beating the Olympic champ, the guy that ended up winning. I was up by uh, like a half point score. Guy came in, he stepped on my toe. I, I tried to step out, couldn't, and then he swept to the outside, and I went, big. Oh, my Big, yeah. God. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, and there was probably, what, a minute left, something like that? Yeah, when you when you said a guy could just step on your toe, I was like, something tells uh, me he, that's like, not he came, it's I mean, he came across for a throw, and he stepped on my foot, yeah. and I couldn't get my foot out to step over right. his leg. And then he popped up, and I went to step, and his leg swept to the outside, and I went, boom. Is that illegal in judo? No, no, it's it's part of it. I mean, it's part of it. I mean, that's just part of it. But was it was it an incidental step, or was that's how he played it? Uh, you know, I've seen him do it before, so he uh, who knows he could have been doing it. We should all be working footsteps. I'm telling you, feet. I step saw, on feet, trip them. My kid, I do that to my kid all the time. I step on it, push him over. I saw my kid do that for a takedown. She stepped on a girl's hey. foot and pushed her over. Hey. You can't move your foot. I got yeah. a better time of grabbing it. We might be having something. Ishmael does that to us, lined up and shit. Just yeah. walk up, step on your foot. And you just, you're just vulnerable as well. Yeah, like, no, it just pushes me. you back over. No more of this complicated inside Ashi stuff, outside yeah. Ashi in Menard. Oh my nope. god! Stepping on feet and pushing. Footstep. Yeah, step on feet and step push them up. Hey man, 
<laughs> MR roll. Let me, let me like, back you up. You'll too. never see me do an MR roll because I think my back will break probably. But that, those are that's the purest form of combat, isn't it? It's oh, uh, deep yeah. half. It's yeah. the purest form. Oh, deep half. Bottom oh deep half. Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was like donkey guard or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let me let me back you up. So you said you said uh, like as a f- you kind of were touching on a philosophical mm-hmm. point that seems like it was informed by your personal experience. And I think I can summarize it by saying the arc in judo is longer than a lot of people give it credit for. Very much so. That's yeah. the focus on the juniors. How long's the arc? Right, and I think that's a that's a I think that's a problem. You know, for a lot of people, they focus. Maybe they don't know as a coach how to how to get them to that next level, or maybe they're so afraid of losing their athlete too that they're they're unwilling to push them to the next person that can kind of get them there. And stuff because so they're afraid to, of, trying to get them championships early. Yeah, you know, and that's the whole thing. It's, um, you know, the one great thing that I would say my coaches did for me at a young age is they, they realized that they couldn't give me everything that I needed to be able to grow. So they they helped put me in those places that were going to be able to provide those things. Now, is the same coaches from when you were six? Or like what, what was uh, yeah. the Yeah, so, well, my first coach, not so much. But I think then I connected with um, some other people later on down the way from, from that. Mm-hmm. Um, national competitors that had been international competitors. And I think that was the difference, right? My first coach, I mean, he's passed away since. But he... Uh, was his name? He, Don was? Trussell. Okay. Don Trussell. So he was a very good coach. Um, you know, uh, had his quirks, just like a lot of people do. But... Truly cared, um, and and did had some national competitors. Uh, he had another girl that that did really well. She was probably top four, top five in the country for a good amount of time. But um, but he wanted to hold on to me a little bit longer than I think I needed to be with him. Um, so that was a little bit of a challenge, and I was still pretty young at that time and stuff. But it worked out, and. You know, I ended up hooking up with a guy named Fred Hand, um, and Fred was a national competitor, had competed in the Olympic trials prior. Uh, he was a bigger guy, like uh, 95 kilo and stuff, um, just physically gifted and, and powerful, just so, amazing. So as a teenager, you're having to learn how to I'm make, learning from these, yeah. And you're monsters. also learning how to make professional exits away yeah. from relationships so you can come back. You don't want to burn bridges. But you still need to stand your ground, and you well, it was yourself. tough though, man, because he had been You're my a teenager, coach. Yeah. yeah, he had been my coach, you know, and and it, it was tough. It, it it was tough. I mean, Most when you te- have to say goodbye to a coach, mm-hmm. or when you have to, when you have to say, "Listen, this is where I want to be," you know, it's tough. But you have to do that to advocate. Most teenagers can't ask their teacher clarity on the homework right, assignment. Right, right. They can't ask <laughs> for help it, it yep. from a manager yep. at work yeah you know there's 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 such a hard barrier for so so my parents my parents um i mean when we were growing up man i mean we my parents they had great jobs they did but man like there was a lot of things we didn't have cable like i don't even know if we had a dryer when we were growing up like i would have to go hang clothes out at on a clothesline that's just, I mean, we lived in Florida, yeah. man. It was, it was warm yeah. a lot of times. You know, we had cattle, so we would feed cattle and, and stuff like that. And, I mean, I had chores. I mean, they taught me how to have conversations, right, mm-hmm. and to be able to, to be articulate and to explain and, you know, and understand that. stand up for yourself, too. Yeah, and, I, and that, that took a little bit longer because, like, my, 
that took a little bit longer for me to learn to mm-hmm. learn that because I didn't want to offend people. I was mm-hmm. I was definitely much a pleaser mm-hmm. growing up. I didn't want to let anyone down. I I didn't and and by doing that sometimes I let people down, right? Because it was just but I learned. I learned. But I suppose if you're not to some degree a person who wants to 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 who holds themselves that standard, you're probably not going to be coachable. Right. So Correct. if you're too if you're too self-assured, right. you're not going to be coachable. So there's just this balance. I was a questioner. So like, that's how I learned. I, yeah. I asked more questions and you, you would have to tell me to shut up. Like, seriously, <laughs> you ask my dad, my dad will tell you. He's like, there was one point where I had just had to tell him he was asking so many questions. I just had to tell him to slow down and stop and give me an hour because you just hit me. But that's how I learned. Like I would, I would, I, I knew that if I didn't ask the question, I was going to think about it all the time. Mm-hmm. And stuff. So I, I just I asked a ton I of questions. Feel so much more comfortable at jujitsu. Well, now. Dude, that's why. Hey, how many times do I tell you, guys, yeah. at class? I said, I said the instructors here, myself, this academy, this academy is right. here for you guys. It's not our our for our thought process is not. Hey, you're yeah. lucky to have me or these guys as a coach. Yeah. It's we're lucky to have you as a student, yeah. and I want you to ask tons of questions. And that is one thing that it's not. You always say it. It's not wrong as long as his results. Andy always says, try it out and show me. Yep. There's never a person who says, an instructor at that school who goes, no, listen to what I'm saying. This is the way to get nope. it done. Right. And I, I'm okay with, like, Mike Brown. You know Mike. Mm-hmm. Mike, he's a wrestler. Fantastic he's in a gi. wrestler. And he's like, so many things are, are so against mm-hmm. what he's done forever. So you can tell. So I know that when he questions me. Yeah. It's not coming from a place of, you know, uh, ill content or anything like that. He's trying to understand it. And I think that's where I've become confident in my, myself and, Mm -hmm. and I don't claim to know everything and I won't ever know anything. And, you know, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. I won't know everything. Damn, I I was going to pull that quote and put it on the front of the episode. So, but (laughs) I think the thing about it is, it's always a learning experience. So I, I, I'm okay with people asking questions or saying, well, why? Yeah. Well, okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah. He does. I'm okay. Because, because if that's what it takes for him to learn and to understand it and Mm -hmm. to make a transition, then that's what he needs as a student. So yeah. who am I to to hold that back or be like, hey man, because I told you so. Yeah. No. It's let me explain it so you understand it and you're willing to try it. With him specifically though, sometimes too. Sometimes he doesn't he only speaks wrestler language. He does. So you have right. to say wrestler. So I have words. to come to use. And I have, have to come to you. And you have to be like have to Peterson. Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it was funny, you know, we were working that back take the other day. Yeah. And, and he was like, well, why can't I just do this? And I said, because if you do, this would be the first thing that I would do. Uh-huh. And he's like, yeah, that wouldn't work out so well, would it? Yeah. Because I said, no. I said, for me, it would. Yeah. Not so much for you if you're trying to take my back. Yeah, that is one you hard know? part with, with when he's wrestled at a high level like yeah. he has for that long is understanding like be, you're just comfortable being on somebody's back yep. and you're not trying to get on top of them like you're right. just going to ride it out. And, and your opponent is also very comfortable being on your Correct. back and not trying to get any further than that correct and you know the the great thing about i think what it breeds as well is it breeds um trust Mm -hmm. and it 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 breeds that environment of i feel confident confident and comfortable in here that Mm -hmm. i can literally ask and try things and i'm not gonna get made to feel stupid i've seen i've been i've seen some academies where 
the instructor makes people feel not great, mm-hmm. you know, or like, who are you to question me? Mm-hmm. It's not that they're questioning you. They're questioning the understanding of how it works. To your you quote know? earlier that our friend John Grills has also said, there are some coach, those same coaches who said, don't question me also won't let any of their students beat them ever. See, no, my students have never scored on me. I've never been yeah, submitted by my see, students. See, that's, that's, yeah. you know, and here's the thing, like I, you know, I got my black belt under Damien and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and, you know, and man, I've seen him, he's tapped to his, at that time were brown belts. Mm-hmm. Now they're black belts. Mm-hmm. That's a, Damien said one thing to me that made a lot of sense one day, you know, he goes when he started and I mean, they'd been around for what, 15, 16 years, maybe more. He said, I got tired of trying to be the man mm-hmm. and I tried to create the men mm-hmm. because he goes, that's the level of success of an academy owner. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm defined by how my students are and how my students speak about the academy and, and how people see that. Mm-hmm. He goes, I'm not defined if I can go still, if I can, my student, my students can't score on me or they can't submit me. He goes, he goes, I wanted to create the men, not the, I didn't want to be the man anymore. You also close off a whole p- potential avenue to learning. Correct. And like somebody like Mike, right? Yeah. If you told him, I am the I'm an Olympian and I'm the instructor and shut the hell up. You're not going <laughs> to teach me anything. Yeah, that's not right? me. I mean, obviously. But, but if you did that, yeah, of course, Mike has some great wrestling. He does, and you'll never get him to share confidently yep. his his ideas that yep. of, of wrestling that yep. that can tie into something you're because doing. Because if I put Mike in nogi, mm-hmm. his takedowns are going to be fantastic. Was that in gear nogi that he slammed that Hawkeye like three times? Wait, he slammed he t- who? One of the guys he went against in one of his recent tournaments was an Iowa Hawkeye. I have no. Uh, and he slammed that dude. Like three I think times. it was the gee. I wasn't yeah. there. That was he. I would have to ask Matt. He said Swanson. that guy bumped my head. Look. Yeah. I was like, well, okay. I'll well, it was funny. He goes. It, it, it just cracks me up. You go all the way over there and you see a guy that wrestled four years, in, <laughs> in college for Iowa. Yeah. And he's in novice. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, really? Yeah. I'm like. Your skill sets alone from wrestling, yeah, are way above. I mean, you almost should be, you almost should be at expert just because of probably your wrestling pedigree. I think you should be if you if you wrestled in college, especially at a D one level, D one level school, you should be a blue belt coming in into things. Yeah, in a competitive sense, man. That's a that's a. I think I think from a from no gi, mm-hmm. absolutely. I I think I think. But here's the problem: when you put a wrestler in the gi, mm-hmm. man it's thick it slows them down yeah it, you know they don't understand oh wait a minute why i normally i could turn this person like this but what is holding me back why mm-hmm. can't i turn them? well i got a hold of something on your uniform right but a d1 wrestler to problem solve versus a blue belt correct you know who i mean this blue belt well, also isn't exactly an expert the, the other problem point. is you've got a lot of these guys yeah. that are wrestlers too that they go into the novice they may get with someone who's never done this before mm-hmm. they've never wrestled no they they just picked it up yeah. as something and now you got this got person that has a really good wrestling pedigree regardless yeah. if they're 50 years old yeah it doesn't matter yeah and you still that's ingrained in you yeah but then you've got this other person that's just never never done it before mm-hmm. so i mean there's a but that's that's the hard part man yeah and you want them to learn too right you don't want to you don't want to just bring them in and, and stick them at blue belt you know and they're just new to your academy mm-hmm. You know, and then because then you've got all these other people that are working their tails off to try and get there. 
Yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's a hard one for an academy. It, it really is. There almost should be like a competitive belt level where yes. you're a white belt by well, what you know about jujitsu. Easiest way, yeah, would be to allow a white belt if they've done this to compete. If you've wrestled yeah. for this long or done this, you have to compete at blue belt and allowing mm-hmm. them to do that. Some places, like perfect example, like uh, when Matt went over to Matt and Mike went over to that mm-hmm. tournament. I promoted Matt wanted to compete at blue belt because he he'd had some transition where he went from one Academy to our Academy yeah. and there was some time in there. Right. He didn't want to say, he didn't want to feel like he was sandbagging cause he had been at a white belt for three and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So he was definitely due for his blue belt, but it was, it just, it was a time thing. Mm-hmm. So, but they wouldn't let him compete mm-hmm. unless he was a blue belt. It's also a lot of pressure on the guy who is doing the potential quote unquote sandbagging. Yeah. Right? yeah. You've yeah. been competing, for, you've been training for three and a half years. Yeah. Some guy who doesn't know you absolutely long and gives absolutely. it his everything and yeah. ends up beating you somehow. Yep. Right. Now you feel really weird about the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. You go to Blue Belt. Well, I lost to a guy who's also been training for three and a half years. Yep. Not, I can take it a lot yep. easier, right? Yeah. So. Well, you know, it's it's it, it's it's good. Like, I mean, it, it's fun to watch them make those transitions. Mm-hmm. It's fun to see them make uh, those leaps and those jumps and, and to grow. You know, it's going to be really fun watching that um, that TCI event here mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a month and stuff. That's going to be a, a a lot one, yeah. Do you have anybody from uh, Alliance? Uh, Chris, Chris oh, Doshels. Yeah. So he's crazy. It, I dude, that's Chris, <laughs> man. What do you? That's Chris. I mean, he's got he's got a guy. Jesse, is it Jesse Reen? Is that? I, I don't want to mispronounce his R- last. Rain or Ryan? Yeah, he's got him first round. But dude, if he wins that one, then his next match is the winner of Kevin and Max Jimenez. Yeah. That. The whole list, I posted dude, on somebody's a, share of it today. The whole list is a panic yeah. attack. Dude, and then yeah. you got, you got Zig. It. Zig's in there, too. Zig yeah. is at the bottom of that that left side and stuff. I mean, there's some there's some some high-quality I don't um, like giving up. I don't like giving up 10 pounds in a competition to somebody. In fact, I want I always want to have the height and weight advantage, if possible. Chris willingly is like, yeah, there's guys in this that are double my weight yeah. and half my age. Sign me up. Where Chris we? is like because sometimes when when you're small enough, you can sneak into pockets, and you can sometimes. Hang, you can, so, but when you can't, but when you can't, you're in trouble. <laughs> oh my but god! I think I think the I think the the one I'm looking forward to watching is uh, Brandon Bergeron and Marcus Bedore. That's gonna oh, be a, that's that gonna be a fun a, match to watch. I think that's gonna be a complicated yeah. match. It's gonna be well. I mean, if you watch the last Black Belt Invitational, um, yeah. Brandon took Max the limit. Yeah, and Max is. Uh, what two eighty? There's no shortage of mat time for no, Brandon Bergeron, so there's no. nothing you're going to show him that he's not no. comfortable dude, with. The crazy thing is, he was inverted most of the time. Yeah, like it was, it was nuts. Like it was, it was pretty crazy. I mean, a great match. Yeah, great match. It's you know, like uh, the way he moves is like somebody who, like he, you watch a uh, Freddie Roach. Mm-hmm. Right when he's yep. just doing anything else, he look he's kind of like looks like a regular guy yep. his age. Yep. Then he starts moving in a boxing yep. ring, and he just starts flowing mm-hmm. smoothly because he's just lived in that pattern yep. so long. Some of these guys have been spending their whole lives. And that's the one thing about judo. Judo is a it's a pattern, man. Mm-hmm. It, it really it really truly is. Like it's it's very it's non forgiving. Yeah. Um, if you're outside of that pattern, hmm. it's very because it's like we said one second. One little slip, one little mishap, and it's. It's almost today. like math is a 
the metaphor for judo or vice versa strategy the, is the equation yeah, on yeah. each side this works and once something's missing what can it i do work. with this person what can i not do against this person wow. and if i get outside of that i'm in trouble see i see Jiu-jitsu. hold on when's the last time you had a height advantage against a competitor <laughs> oh uh, talking about a second ago <laughs> when i did some when i was doing some uh kickboxing and stuff and i was, thought i was gonna compete i yeah. went against people who are in my weight class yeah and there's a few little stout guys who oh who gave me an advantage so, and i've so never, never felt happened. bigger in my life <laughs> having reach on somebody for the first time in my life i was like <laughs> so you had to go to cardio kickboxing to get a reach advantage. cardio no i had, whatever i had to go to an industrious uh neighborhood and <laughs> find me some little partners oh gosh yeah the um but oh, i can't remember what i was gonna say now it's all, it's all good uh, hey, see you stumped him yeah you, yeah, you got you me thinking about him. being bigger than people for once you got me in a fantasy land you raise that chair up uh, yeah well chris dashel i've had a reach on chris dashel but they didn't yeah. help me but you know oh, sean I, sean oh Lord. yeah oh yeah sean you got a little i got a little he, bit of weight and a let's little just bit say of that chris is very happy when sean walks through the well, door because he, the people that we have that we get normally are not small yeah, you know, and we I like to some... think that it, it helps, but then you watch Sean roll a chase, and mm-hmm. Chase is like now like 240. 240. And monster of a man. Yeah, and then Sean's giggling with him. And I'm like, what a you what are you? You know, because the great thing is Chase Chase can Chase is I mean, he's he had a very long uh MMA career. Yeah. But man, he is so controlled. When I had a hurt hamstring, like mm-hmm. I was just coming back, remember how I was working mm-hmm. from bottom the whole time? He was so good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I got to work with him and we were working and never once did I ever have any inkling of like my, I was, I was going to re-injure my hamstring. He just, he was, he's able to roll with anyone and, and just have a good time doing mm-hmm. it and stuff like that. It's, it's really now but, he, and he can turn it up if he needs to. For yeah. And sure. that's the scary part when you feel even the gas pedal is stepping forward a little bit, like just, in, <laughs> I'm going to snap through this. Well, way. and oh. he's, you know, he's, uh, he's very, uh, <laughs> he, he, you're not sure how to take him because remember how he breathes so heavy. Yeah, like he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, yeah. I don't know if you're baiting me or if you're just like really breathing. That and then way. a guy like that, when he's got a 70 pound advantage on you, and he snaps you, mm. and he snaps you, and, he, and it goes from playful to even a little bit of a. Oh, and he's got meat cleavers for hands. Oh. I mean, big like, yeah. Panda paws. You have no idea what this world is like. You having just somebody just being like their hand is as big as your face. Yeah, do. Oh wait, one guy, right? <laughs> Yeah. Mahir? Hmm? Is it, who's it? Mahir? Who? Don't bring up Mahir. Oh. Nobody wants to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> See, big guys have this weird inner tussle. Hey, man. <laughs> I think they should have closed door uh, secret open mats on Sundays for just guys over two, 240. Uh, no, they're in Eden Prairie on Tuesday nights at 6. Ooh. Ooh. There you go. Hot drop. Legit. You know, it's, it's Scora harassing me about it all the time. <laughs> I let the big guys on this side of the river know about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, so I'm sorry. Shut up. <laughs> well, there you go. The, your coach switch. Mm. You went from trussle. Yep. To hand. Yeah. Yeah. Was that an inflection point in the arc thing? Because you, you went to a coach who had the higher level experience. Yeah, I won the. I so I think, you know, I think what what happened was is that whenever you do something like that, there, there's a lot of changes, right? So, uh, different weight training type, type things, um, different strategy things. Um, the other side to it is 
I was, I was pretty tall and lanky, um, you know, as a teenager and, and so forth. So, um, I'm going against guys that are seriously challenging me a lot heavier. Like, I mean, I remember one point where Fred came over like an overhand right grip and he caught me right in my face and my nose just went not, not broken or anything, but Mm -hmm. it just was like that clothesline and you're seeing stars. So you learn how to survive. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was, he was physically one of the strongest people I've ever met. Like they used to, he would, they used to do like, they would do like, uh, uh, like demonstrations at colleges and stuff. And then what they would do is they would take like two people and put them on the end of a bar and he'd military press. Yeah. Like he's one of those strong man kind of guys, right. but just genetically, physically gifted um, and, and so forth. But it, it changed up a lot of things, but it also, like I said, he put me in places where I needed to be, sent me to Colorado to train, sent me here to do things where that's what I wasn't doing before. So it opened my mindset up to a completely different realm where I'm having to deal with completely different people, completely different styles. Um, and I'm learning different things from different people and so forth. So it just really kind of, that was that, that explosion point for me that kind of said, okay, now I'm starting to get those things. Is that like specific broader exposure part of the let's focus less on winning junior championships and how I rank now and more on the longer term. Well, the funny part was the first year that I got with him, I ended up winning the junior nationals. So I ended up winning it for that. So what happens and what you'll see is as juniors progress, when you get to that 16, 17, 18 and juniors for us runs all the way to 20, right? If you're turning 21 of that year, then you're no longer a junior. So what, but what happens is that's where you start to see, especially in Europe, especially in Asia, that's where you start to see the transitions from the juniors that are coming up. They start competing at junior worlds. And there's not, there's very little difference between the junior world competitors and the senior world circuit. You'll see a lot of those guys that are top notch that, that win and do all that there. They break through within the next year or so after they're done as a junior, if not before. It's almost like they're competing in juniors because they're of age. Correct. But they should should or could be up there. But I would say the one thing about Europe, though, especially, I think Europe is is training them to be great senior competitors right from the get-go. Like, they're, you know, because it's so tough over there. It's so competitive at so many age age range, early age ranges. You're going to be super competitive right off the bat. They have to put you there. Because if not, then you're probably not going to make it, especially in Europe. Is the shallower pool here part of like the lower expectations, I guess? That's that's the tough one, right? I mean, maybe maybe the coaches never traveled internationally. Maybe they've never sure. competed internationally. Maybe they just don't know it. So what they know is what's right in front of them. So it's not really their fault if they don't know it. But they've also got to be willing to let go and to say, listen, you're still going to be here, but I need to put you here i need you to go here i need you if you want to if this is something you really want to do we have to take the steps that are going to help you get there and for me that's one thing that my coaches did from a you know a pretty early teenage year and 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 introduced me to those areas and yeah i took my lumps man i did i took i took some beatings but then little pieces happened and i started giving little things and i started giving a little bit more then i started giving a little bit more and the next thing you know, then you're 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 starting to thump them a little bit, and it just kind of gradually, gradually happens. 
so what's the timeline from getting with new coach to like first Olympic trials? Oh, it was still a long process. So yeah. first Olympic coach, that was what, 16, I think. And then, um, moved to Colorado when I was Who seven. Who gave you the judo black belt? So, because you said sixteen. So Fred did. Fred did. Okay. Um, and that was a. Once again, I. I think I would have been fine without it. Uh, I, but I think at that point, when you're seeing all of these other people, maybe you're beating and maybe you're all that, they're getting their black belts and you're not. You're just like it's. It kind of puts a little bit of pressure. Mm-hmm. But once again, I think, I think people would be fine even if you got them up to eighteen or nineteen or twenty. And they didn't have it, you know. I th- I think it would be fine. I don't think there's any difference because I think there's more to it than just the competitive side, especially if you don't continue on after a certain point, right. you know. Um, but yeah, so I I mean I didn't make my first Olympic team till I was 24. So I I competed. So 16 won the the junior national. 17 moved to Colorado to train. So. Finished my moved out and did my entire senior year in Colorado. So the coach that I saw win his Olympic bronze actually recruited me to move to Colorado. So I had been going out there a couple of times in training. So he he was like, hey, he goes, is this something you want to do? I said, yeah. He goes, well, what do you think about moving out here? So, yeah. So he went and talked to my parents and I he was my legal guardian and so forth. Hmm. I finished high school, had my had a three bedroom apartment all to myself as a senior in high school. Yeah, you can imagine. Made friends, made friends really quick. Yeah, when people found out, hey, you're a, almost an Olympic athlete and you know, hey, you got a three bedroom apartment. Guess what? People started showing up at my house yeah. on weekends. Yeah. That ran its course pretty quick, man. Of I well, after my house was getting trashed and no one was staying around to help clean it. Mm-hmm. But this guy right here, yeah, that ran its course pretty quick. But I mean, but that also made me grow up. But I do think, and there were some tough times. But my man, I knew how to cook. I knew how to clean. I knew how to. I know I, I was domesticated. I knew how to do stuff for myself because my parents had taught me how to do it. I had they taught me to make sure that I knew how to do that stuff because mm-hmm. that's what that was what the expectation was at home. You're not just going to sit on your butt. You have to You're going to contribute. Shop? You go grocery yeah, shop. I had to do everything, man. <laughs> hamburger helper, bro. Mac and cheese and hamburger. You meat. did not eat hamburger helper and mac and no, cheese. No, I'm not. I did. Of course. Really? Who didn't eat hamburger helper? Well, now people are trying to be in the Olympics, I assume. I mean, I hey, man, like... when you're starving, I wasn't in the Olympics at that yeah. time. I was an athlete trying to make it. Yeah. I mean, you eat. You, I, I, I was skinny, man. I had to put on some weight. You know, there's people who avoid eating bread so they can be a better bicyclist on the weekends. That don't surprise me. I mean, and you're over here saying I, hamburger they're, helper. They're, they're wrong. Hey, man, yeah. macaroni and cheese and and hamburger meat. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was good. But I but I learned, man. It mm-hmm. was, you know, I I the, wasn't. The point there is, a lot of people would have spiraled. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have had the life skills and the discipline, yeah. you know, and that yeah. simple yeah. taking care of yourself shit. I, I do think Even it goes adults, back. It goes back to <laughs> it goes back to my I I. I put it back to my parents. I, I do right. because Good. I think they gave me the skill sets. Mm-hmm. They gave me to feel confident in the, my abilities to do that. Yeah. Um, and dude, don't get me wrong. There were some really tough times. Like it was hard. I was away from my family. I was in mm-hmm. Colorado. My family is in Florida. I'm a senior in high school. Um, yeah. I have a three bedroom apartment all to myself. I mean, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, uh, things that reared their heads in there that could, I, could have went this way really quick. Yeah. But 
you know, luckily, I mean, I had a good head on my shoulders and I knew where I wanted to go. Was it lonely? No, it was. Uh, no, not really. Not really. Because, I mean, I had teammates around me. Yeah. I had, I had a lot of teammates. <laughs> Once again, they're older, though. Mm-hmm. They're all 21 plus. So, yeah. So, you can imagine. I'm a 17-year-old kid yeah. and they're 21 plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but it wasn't really lonely. Like, I mean, I, I had people. I made friends and stuff like that. And, and some, some decent people. Not, you know, not people that were just... Um, you know, there are people of your community, people who also have a huge ambition. So yeah, but I, man, I, they have ambition, but I think everyone wants, says that they want something until mm-hmm. it's time to really sacrifice. Where do you see people at that level failing to sacrifice? Cause um, they're giving more than most. They're get Yeah. I think, I think, you know, especially when things get really hard. Are you, some people will, if it gets really hard and they, they won't figure out a way to get it done. And I think that's where, where a lot of people lose it is they just, they get wrapped up in more of the fun, more of the flash and the idea Mm -hmm. of what someone will say is like, oh, this person is this Mm -hmm. versus the true nature of what it is. Cause like we said, there's levels, right? Mm -hmm. You can, people were like. Oh, dude, you're you're you've won the nationals, blah blah blah, this many times. I'm like, yeah, but okay. And they're like, what? That doesn't excite you? And I'm like, for this sport, for my sport, to be the best in the in the nation. Yeah, there's some divisions that are tougher than others. Mm-hmm. Like there are. There's like there's some very there there are some competitive, but it's a lot easier to be a national champ than it is to to do it internationally. Mm-hmm. And it's especially here. Now you go to France and you're a national champ. Shoot. You yeah. might as well be meddling in the world or the Olympics because, because that's how France, I mean, is ridiculous when it comes to the depth. Yeah. You go to a lot of, you go to Japan, you're national champ in Japan. You're winning the Olympics. You're probably one of those guys. You're the right? you're the state wrestling champ in Pennsylvania or you're the state wrestling champ in Rhode Island. Two different kind of wrestling. Champs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it reminds uh, me a lot of, of I got a meathead background. It reminds me a lot of the hammer throw issue in the U.S. Because we we dominate the lists on shot put and discus, yep. but nobody touches a hammer till you're 18 years old, except for like one state. Right. So you never see the U.S. flag on the hammer list yep. in the world, like top 50. There's not one a lot of times, mm, you know. Wow. And I'm sure it's getting better as access yeah. is better, but same sort of thing. Okay, you're a national hammer champ. Yeah. You're not even on the list for the Olympics. At well, this and point. that's the whole thing. So it's, and it's, it's not in a lot of situations, it's not hard to be a national champ with judo, with judo right now. It's not. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because the national championships does not play any part of qualifying for the Olympics. So sometimes you won't even get your top, your, your ones and twos in there. Mm-hmm. Just because it, you know they're spending money to go to this tournament that really has no bearing on on the Olympic ranking list. So mo- it's, depending on the year, the guy that's going to win here at this national championship is not here this year. He's off. May not doing be the, the best qualifier person. for. The- May not even be close. Hmm. Right, and, and in judo, man, it's a fine line for the U.S. Like it's very rare that we produce. I mean, we're it, it's tough, but I mean, you know, it's very rare that we produce great athletes 
back to back to back. I mean, usually you produce a great athlete and then there's the, there's a, uh, a few years, like a quad in between it that you have to try and rebuild and, and so forth like that. Has judo, judo gotten more popular since MMA started getting more popular? Um, man, I don't think that it's gotten more popular. Yeah, I, 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 I maybe a little bit, but I will tell you that jujitsu has, there's mm -hmm. no oh. doubt about it because judo, here's what people don't realize. Like you may not see a lot of judo here in the U S mm -hmm. but internationally. Yeah. It's the second most competitive sport in the Olympics. People don't realize that. Wow. Because out of what, 200 and, is there 220 countries, 219 countries? Mm -hmm. I think 190 of them compete. I, yeah. So you can imagine, I mean, it's on, on the bracket. world stage, on the world stage, mm -hmm. it is. And this is done super in a day. competitive. Done in a day. Now, here's the thing. They only do, they don't do all divisions, right? They'll do one men, one women's mm -hmm. at the Olympics. But you're done in one day. Gee, but man. now they've had to put a qualification system to it, right? When I competed, um, there wasn't. So I, I can't remember how many people I had in Sydney. I want to say I had 50 to 60 people in my division. And, and there wasn't a qualification. So you could have, you know, you could be, you can stacked. Mm -hmm. Like, and they don't rank you. They, at that time, it was just like, put them into a computer and the computer spits them out. And wherever you fell is wherever you fell. Now there's a ranking yeah. system. Which makes it. a huge difference. Makes a know? huge difference, right? Sometimes these championship rounds in the well, first Well, dude, sometimes you, sometimes you get that person. I may beat... Sorry. Jesus, sorry. I may beat you, right? I may beat you. But then you may beat me. And then you beat him. Yeah. But I may be Olympic champ, but you're the one person... That gives me just a ridiculous time, and you mm -hmm. and and you get me, mm -hmm. and then guess what? That number one, that number one athlete's out, mm -hmm. and he's probably overall your best player, but he comes up against that one person Who steps that on just his foot. does it on a much smaller scale. But yesterday, I saw the uh, the kid; she didn't get scored on by anybody mm -hmm. other than the one girl who beat her, who went on to win the whole thing. Other than that, she nobody even scored on her. So it's like, you, and it's, she ran into her in the third round. So the best she could do after that was fifth. Yeah. So second, third, fourth are all girls she potentially, I think one she has beaten, other girls she potentially could beat. But because the brackets come out so, like that, ranking does make a huge So here, here's the other side to it. Now with judo, if you lose, like it used to be back in the day, if you lost and your guy kept winning or your gal kept winning, mm -hmm. and they would pull you into a loser's bracket. Mm-hmm. Now you have to make it, I think, your person has to make it, they have to win the quarters for you to even be pulled back in. So if you lose this person first round, you're done. You're out. So you're four years mm -hmm. to train for that time. There's no If you lose that first match and your person keeps winning, you're still out. And half of them are half of them is half half of the, all the people who go there on that one day in four years. You know what they should do? They should also get everybody with a February 29th birthday and then say, okay, all of you, half of you get a crappy day. Sorry. It's, you, you can wait it's, for this birthday for four years. Sorry. Suck it. You got another four to go. Uh, well, I'll tell you, that's, that's what's hard, man. Because like you got one day, you got one shot. Yeah. And if you have a, a slip, if something happens, you can be. And here's the thing: you lose once, you're you're the but best you could do. If you get pulled back in, it's third. This new twist I'm hearing though about so then you you wait for this one day in four years, then some guy comes and dumps you right on your yep. melon. 
Yep. And then after that, you have to get up and go, all right, I'm rooting for you now, buddy. I'm I'm with you to the quarters at least. Come on. I'm Whatever you need. That water, was, that was in the day. But now, yeah. now he's got to. But even if you get beat first round by this yeah. guy, it's only the person he beat in the quarters that gets pulled back oh. in. It's not everybody else. See it's it. the person he beat. To go into the semis. I like it the other way because it's like a conqueror. Like you went and took over that land well, and then all the people. I think everyone else, everyone else did. I think, but the problem was, is that money is an issue. Yeah. Um, if you look at anything from the Olympics, the Olympic side to anything really these days, um, it's pretty, pretty expensive to house athletes and do all that. So they had to cut down on and i think a lot of sports had to they had to cut down on the numbers so that's why they had to put the qualification system in do you think they should pay olympic athletes well you can we do they well, do i mean do you think okay do you think they should be be on a professional scale like do you think absolutely yeah um well i mean okay so you okay get, so that's you a catch 22 right because i mean in the overseas they are yeah because uh most sports are sponsored by their country's government so maybe just sort of if you wherever you place in the olympics so the first place is i don't know in, in america if you guess the right briefcase on a show you can win five million dollars sure so let's start there you <laughs> give me you, the briefcase what, you, what do i get for winning a ufc championship uh it has a heavyweight and that depends on what your five hundred thousand dollars <laughs> well no if you're francis you yeah. get six hundred thousand six hundred yeah oh, well man. and then where they make where most of them make their money is off the pay-per-view buys right they get a certain percentage i i think right yeah I but mean, still like uh fury wilder oh well yeah, i mean I you're mean, talking boxing money yeah man. i mean i mean look at mayweather and mcgregor mm -hmm. it was a hundred million dollars right yeah and they it's should crazy. Be so the more important the fight the less the money yeah but, the more of a fucking circus, the more of the money. Yeah, well, yeah. To join I mean, the yeah, circus, you really can't yeah. really argue against it. Yeah. So maybe so with the Olympics, though. I mean, if you start opening up that aspect of it, you know, you want to put it on TV, you want to have commercials with it, pay them a amount of money that goes, wow, that guy, that top podium, all those guys are set for at least a little while to to move their transition to the next phase of their life or et cetera, whatever, you know, Sean white as a well, snowboarder kind of was that because you well, do the he could get, he could get sponsorships. Right. Yeah. But with judo, judo such so small in the U S mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're a Kayla, mm -hmm. so Kayla double gold medalist. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you look at what she's doing now and stuff. But she didn't even get paid until she won those PFL tournaments. Oh, uh, well, I mean, she, they made money from the Olympics and yeah. now she made, not knowing, but I, I would assume Kayla had a manager and stuff. And I mean, she was Olympic champ and stuff like that. So I would imagine that she was making endorsement deals mm -hmm. at some level and stuff. Now, I'm sure it's not comparable to like a Michael Phelps or something mm -hmm. type money and stuff like that. But it could be. I don't I don't know. But um, I mean, it's it's tough. Yeah. I mean, you get paid, but you don't get paid right and if you get paid yeah. then you can start living like a different kind of athlete like the russian and rocky four right you know what wow. i mean and fine-tuning well that's yourself. that's the one thing i mean if, if it wasn't even russian bro i think it would be different if if we were sponsored by the government type stuff because most of these places are sponsored by their governments so they the money comes into it like france i want to say at one point and i can't remember if it's completely accurate, but I thought they paid something up to the top 25 of their athletes or something or yeah. top 15 or something. But man, it, but they also had national training centers. They, they're sponsored by their governments mm -hmm. and so forth. And then like Japan, Japan has companies that are behind 
We oh, tried that in the God. U.S. and then the guy shot Dave Schultz. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. It, it's still a good model. Fox catcher. Yeah, that's that's the biggest hang up with it is when they go insane and want to become part of the team and get weird about it. But the uh, but he had killer physique. If bro. you did have a lot of like golf. If you have a lot of rich people that are kind of doing it on the side, this is one thing I've been noticing about jujitsu. There's a lot of really successful people yes, in a whole unrelated field that like to hang out in jujitsu cultures and they go to fight to wins. They go to uh, brew jitsus and stuff sure. like that. And you start getting more of these guys who instead of going playing golf, they're now mm-hmm. going to an open role. Yep. They're going to start sponsoring fighters. They're going to start buying what they sell, or the, sure. the jiu-jitsu athletes. And I think they're going to start propping up these these specialty camps. Right. And what you're going to see a lot of, I think, is when you're going to get a lot of these other... Because grappling, at a certain level, grappling is grappling. Sure. You can take a good grappler and teach them another way of doing it because they get the essentials. Look at Nicky Rod. Mm-hmm. There's going to be more of that into a different level once they go, hmm... I could go to MMA and get my head kicked. Kicked, no thanks. I could go to the Olympics and make no money, no thanks. I could go to jujitsu and potentially make six figures a year, right out of the gate, if I just get onto the right team. And then, how many other combat sports are going to start drifting that sure. way too, right? Well, and I think, like, first of all, Nicky Rod wasn't making the Olympics. No, not you know, even close. He wasn't even. I mean, he was. No. What he was? Uh, did he wrestle? He wrestled in college, right? He wrestled right. in college He's a little D2, bit. D two, D three. But he, some of those guys. Some of those guys mm-hmm. come out and make the Olympics, right? Some of yeah. those guys will come out, and if you make an Olympic team in wrestling, mm-hmm. dude, you're 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 a good wrestler. Man. That's what, there and that's no what I'm saying. Is if, and if you're a, if you're a podium finisher, yeah. If you're uh, Ed Ruth, even you know mm-hmm. a guy who's very good, and you decide I'm not going to chase a gold medal that has no money. I'm going to go chase a, a jujitsu title. Because I figure I can adapt mm-hmm. and I can I can learn this game and within two three years I can be making a lot well, of well and let's face it it's it's I'm still gonna say jujitsu is less wear and tear on your body mm-hmm. than wrestling is yep and they're gonna make and they so they see all these uh, engineers doctors tech people propping up this thing because on the weekends mm-hmm. they like watching like they everyone like wants to hang around with a fighter right or someone or a competitor at some level. Yeah, yeah, they want to hang out with their competitor that they respect. So they want to hang out with Tiger Woods, right? Yeah. And if now these people, instead of watching the Masters, are now watching uh, some Meta Morris mm-hmm. or who's number one, right? And yeah. now they're buying, they're, they're propping this guy up but buying his stuff. And now he's got sure. Honda doing yeah. commercials for him. That changes the game it in does. a lot of ways. And attra- who is attracted to the game? So yeah. now this kid who grew, who's been growing up since six doing high-level judo. Yep. Maybe at an earlier age goes, all right, I know arm bars. I know yeah. collar chokes. I know yep. knee chokes. And I know big throws, which bring yep. in big bucks. Yeah. Well, but apply that same logic to the pay in the Olympic athletes thing. We were talking about pay in Olympic athletes. We were thinking, okay, the impact right here now today. But the growth of stuff like the throwing events and judo and the lower end, lower mm-hmm. popularity events would be gigantic because a guy that can go play pro ball and make some big money playing pro ball, but he's also – world-class in the shot put or in yeah. judo he is more incentivized to maybe stick with it more often versus going and getting a getting a contract in the nfl yeah the then, highest level thinking and then setting all new types of world records which brings new eyes on everything because or they'd go to the nfl and do their thing there and then they come back 
That is which great. is happens yeah. is starting to happen now, right? I mean, you're starting to see that. Didn't Herschel Walker do what Herschel uh, Walker did bobsledding? Yeah, he did bobsledding, and then he did a couple MMA fights. I mean, you got like the, like 50 years old. Yeah, dude, he was still <laughs> jacked too, man. Holy what God, the heck that is that guy made out of? That steel. But we we actually literally had a thrower like that, Michael Carter, who was still like the high school national shot put record and like the junior level right. national shot put record. Yep. It's like 81 feet. Yeah. Right, I was Crazy. a decent thrower, and I threw like low to mid fifties. I mean, he, he yeah. was just a head and shoulders above, and he was like a silver medalist two times in the Olympics while playing in the NFL. There you go. So, how many more guys like that that would feel more incentivized Absolutely. to grow those other sports? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you think that it's coaches, people who have been around, ex- uh, exposed to a lot of those top point one percenter people, people who've coached a lot of Olympians, people who've been around a lot of Olympians, whatever. Do you think they can pick pick out those people from an early age? Do you think they can spot that it factor in these people, or do you think that it, it's so variable it's hard to tell until it happens? It seems like you'd be able to pick the potential. They they can they can pick the potential. Like, they can. Do, you definitely don't have it. Like you can probably rule out some people. Yeah, but you know what? Say that. If that was the case, I would have been one of those ruled out people. Yeah, I would have been ruled out. So that's not a thing. And then, but I mean, I think there's certain people that possibly could. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's a crapshoot as well. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you may get that person that has all the talent in the world, but they turn into lazy. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. mean, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, they could have done it. They had mm-hmm. the, the ability to potentially do it, but they got lazy and they didn't want to, they didn't want to do it. But then I feel attacked, mm-hmm. but you, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, they have potential to, Oh, okay. So, <laughs> yeah. But, but that's the thing, right? I mean, if someone would have labeled me like that, yeah, then I wouldn't have, yeah, I had potential maybe, but I wasn't winning all the stuff. I wasn't doing all this stuff, you know? Yeah. But you also showed that you, enjoyed the work and the more people shoveled your way there were some days i didn't enjoy it that's for sure (laughs) but you kept asking for more and kept and kept going back looking for for how do i do this better problem solving along the way um trying to figure it out and if you don't figure it out i'm sure you went back and said okay well that plan didn't work and not getting frustrated there's a lot of those things right that but those are things that you see in in the it factors in these people and you don't see that in everybody. That's a, no, that, especially today. I mean, and it's it's different today. I mean, there's so many other things out there that are distractions that mm-hmm. take people and kids away from stuff. Um, but then I see also kids and in, going into adulthood who aren't distracted. They are uh-huh. giving it their everything. Yep. Million Dollar Baby. How they summarize the different mm-hmm. kind of fighters: talent, sure. no work, real work ethic. Sure. All the work ethic, yep. none of the talent. Yep. You know what I mean? So I do see that, and that's one of the hardest things to watch. Yeah. Uh, we all know the guy who never made it past really a local, good, sure. a good local showing in yep. whatever sport. Yeah. But, man, it wasn't for a lack of effort. Right. Right? And that's hard to watch. So that's almost kind of why I asked this question, too. Yeah, but like, the funny part of that, I know some of those guys that have mm-hmm. gone on to be super successful in life. Yeah. Like, su- like yeah. crazy successful business Business people and mm-hmm. stuff like that, or even successful to define as happiness. I know yeah. people like that who are gym owners, yeah, who are very happy yeah. in their non-conformist lifestyle. Well, you know? I, you know, I was working in a cubicle, yeah, and and I lost my job to the pandemic and stuff like that. And I had started the academy just small, and I just decided I was going to put everything I had into that, and mm-hmm. 
you know, and be happier and have more flexibility and not be working behind a cubicle. Yeah. And even if it's know? as much and it work- was forced, yeah. <laughs> it was forced, but it was, you know, uh, hindsight 2020. Right. But I can't imagine it feels like more. I mean, it's more work, but it can't feel like more work because you have your I'm, your work, I, I'm working my butt off. I mean, right. there's but you're correct. It doesn't feel like work. I am more energized mm. to to do those things yeah and to be successful you know i don't usually i try not to go in well i don't ever go into any things wanting to not do well with it yeah i want to be successful at whatever i'm doing um sometimes i have to learn sometimes i have to learn a hard way Mm -hmm. and then figure it out from the back end but i'm one of those guys that i just kind of get into it and figure it out and do what i got to do to make it to make it successful it's kind of this kind of the way i was with with my judo career and that's why even when they're not because a lot of these people who aren't i'd say are, aren't successful in something they put all their uh work ethic into right is because they're lacking maybe physical skills reaction timing skills sure whatever right little gifts sure but they and they keep poking at yeah. where do i take this what am yeah. i talented at yeah and now i can refocus it I've seen some amazing, some people that, you know, had potential talent, but it just didn't click for them. And they just Mm -hmm. went on to do amazing things. And I think that goes down to what we were talking about earlier too, is you didn't always have a good day and you didn't always enjoy it. But at the end of the day, you're always there. Yeah. And to get to there, to go, oh, it's going to take that later on when you have, you have an idea in your head. That's going to be a food truck, uh, a a restaurant. (laughs) Don't do that to me. Uh, you know, a podcast. What are these yeah. people are being successful in? And they go, oh, I don't feel like doing the the grind work in it today. But just like but I see, did with my sport. Yeah, I don't look at it as a grind anymore. Yeah. Like, I mean, when, you know, having it as many students as we have now and mm-hmm. stuff and watching people grow, like, it's, it doesn't, it's not a grind. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't feel like that. Like, like, it's not like, you know, when I would be when I was in Europe and we're on day three and of two a days and you're just like your ghee smells like but when you got to make <laughs> HVAC guy appointments and then lay foundation on the floor that levels uh, and then yeah but you know what for me that's fun because yeah. that if I'm having to do that stuff that means yeah. I'm normally moving in a good direction see maybe this is part of the it factor too is that some people would look at this at a lot of normal people look at this and go it's for the right reason, so I'll do it, yeah. but I don't want to do it. And then there's other people who go, this is moving me forward, so I'm really excited about yeah. doing this. And, you know, I think, I think for me, one of the most – it's like when we, when we first moved into that space we're in now, right? Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was cinder blocks. It was, it was that gray cinder block. Uh, it was an open shell and stuff. And seeing what we did when we painted that weekend, we painted it and we, we built the, the – the, the hallway and all of that sort of stuff. Seeing how many people showed up mm-hmm. to be a part of it, mm-hmm. picked up a, a roller and was painting on the side and en- was truly enjoying it. Mm-hmm. That right there tells me that it's not a grind. Mm-hmm. Like that tells me it's like, this is something that people truly love being around and they want to be a part of something like this. Yeah. And, and for me, it's, it's not a grind anymore. Like, I mean, there's some days where I get up and I'm like, man, holy cow, I'm tired. Or I'm beat up or something like that after training with you knuckleheads. <laughs> you know? Not me. I'm like, I don't know, man. My hips get kind of sore going with some of you guys. 
because you guys are moving all over the dang place that's, and trying to see. Keep that's up. definitely not me, but I appreciate you saying you including me in the you guys <laughs> statement here. <laughs> well, you know, you know what I'm saying. But yeah. for me, man, like I think of a grind as something that you just don't like. Well, right. You, you know what I'm saying. But but like mm. you you truly like I may be tired and I don't want to go train. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do it mm-hmm. because I know it's what I need to do and I have to do. But back to, to people who have never found their inspiration, they've only known a life where you do the homework assigned to you. Yeah. Then you go to the college that was yep. kind of picked out for you. You kind of married the person that's picked out for you. Oh, and then you go to a job where they what? every every week. <laughs> He's like, say what? Every week they pick. Yeah, there's whole like family. Like, <laughs> oh, that's a person's working family. Whatever. Yeah. You know, they influence you. And then you go to a job where every week they hand you a list of names. and go, I need you to call these people. Yeah. And say say this script to them, and that's all they know. Yeah, and they never really even get a peek. So they think that every they think that everyone's pers- professional life is that same kind of yeah. quick like in the sand yeah. grind. They don't know that there's some people who have found their passion and mm-hmm. wake up and go, and they look at a guy who runs six miles just to get his day started. Yeah, and then he's got to do a whole training camp day. And, yeah, and they go. How can a guy do that? They don't know that you wake up with a different energy when it's your well, passion. And I think I think, but I think people are finding it now. Yeah. I think with whatever, ever, everything that's happened over the last few years, I think like I was watching a thing yesterday, and they called last year the Great Resignation, right? Mm-hmm. Because people got quarantined, they 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 got they were made to stay home, and they realized they're like, what's truly important to me? I have mm-hmm. one life. And I think you're, you're seeing a lot of people leaving industries that they had been in for years because it just didn't make them happy anymore. And they would go mm-hmm. do something. So I think they're finding those things. I think now. a lot of people, we were pushing towards that almost like Japanese work ethic culture of work mm-hmm. first, work to the debt, work till you're dead and your legacy you leave. You live to work. Yeah. And your legacy you leave will be what, what's worth it all. And I think. Everybody had to pump the brakes oh, yeah. and then go, oh, my God, I really enjoyed this. Maybe it's family time. Maybe it's yep. their, their hobby or whatever. Yep. And I think I'm not this is I'm not want to go anywhere political with this. But I think instead of a purge, maybe we should have a yearly timeout where everybody takes like nobody can do anything for 10 days. And we all just have to kind of sit and think about stuff for a little while. Well, how the I, fuck would that have been political? Purge because, versus a timeout. Because, because the, the, <laughs> the initial... Qu- which political party? The, I'm maybe not don't sure get which into one that. you're associating no. with. But no, okay. no. I'm talking about the, the three initial three weeks where everybody had like kind of got locked. Everybody yeah, was, yeah. was... It was apolitical time. It was like right after 9-11, that same yeah. vibe, you know? Right, right. Everybody stopped. And there was at least two weeks where everybody didn't argue about it. They just went, all right, we're going to sit inside, watch Netflix, play with Legos, and just take a, a, a break. And I think that started the idea. Of well, like, and I think it was good. I mean, even during the Legos. whole the whole pandemic, right? Yeah, you saw people. <laughs> I mean, you saw people out exercising. You saw people out taking care of themselves. You saw them like saying, "Listen, I don't want to get this, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna put more emphasis on myself." Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought it would, and I think that's what kind of sparked it. Like people are like, "I can work remote, or I can do this, or yep. man." I'm I'm more happier the last three weeks, and I don't feel you know I don't feel pressured. You're not in a rush for the first time. Yeah. So, personal experience. There's a gas station a mile away. Well, I've got nothing else going on today, so I may as well walk instead of drive. If it's 60 degrees out, I'll walk, and then you walk around and go, "This is really fucking nice. I should do this again more often." And now you're carving out perspective, things you don't enjoy, and tossing those aside to take that walk. Yeah. Even little things like that are gonna 
make you, you view things enjoy, differently. Enjoy the. Pr- you got one life, man. Mm-hmm. You got that's why it. I walked here today. Do you know I walked here from <laughs> that's Plymouth? A, that's why you look so. Were lean. you? Were you thumb? Was a thumb up in the air a little bit? Maybe. <laughs> would or would anyone pick up this hitchhiker? I don't know. Absolutely. Man. If not, he'd throw a hammer at him <laughs> right into their car. It's in that yeah. bag. You know? <laughs> but you know, I I think. I mean, like, I I don't view it as a grind anymore. And, you know, I work yeah. two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. Like, I work for Fuji Mats, and I I run the academy. So, yeah. but they're both fun. Like, I'm helping. The great thing is I get to help other people like myself build their academy. And I'm getting to, and then I get to talk business with them. So, it, it turns into kind of a relationship as well where, you know, I take off my Fuji Mats hat and I we, we I put on my my business owner hat and they start asking me questions and we talk about things and they're like, well, what did you do when you first started? And we just we talk about stuff, which you is kind of cool. Have you ever started considered using that to start your own affiliation process? Man, I, no, not yet because I think I think I mean I thought about the judo side of things, but is pretty complicated right now and people are the mindsets i don't think the mindsets judo players mindsets are not where jujitsu practitioners mindsets are but what even about as a jujitsu gym or even a grappler's gym i don't know man i i don't know i haven't i mean i worked for franchising i know how much of a how much of a um how hard it is yeah like i it's tough and stuff like that and I mean, for now, what I'm doing allows me. The one thing I don't want, I do. I used to have a a mindset of wanting to be this very successful, maybe climbing that corporate ladder, doing all that sort of stuff. But I realized I'm like, that's not me. It's not me. That sounds awful. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. That's not who I am. That's I, did, I never. First of all, I didn't finish college. Yeah. I I went a couple years, and I was I put more focus on competing and, and did that and i my education came on the job it came from learning from people it came from being in the mix of stuff and that's where i kind of figured out like i'm not gonna be that corporate person that puts on a fake smile but 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 it, that was forced right mm-hmm. and hindsight 2020 that was forced and i'm glad it was mm-hmm. because of the fact that i can look back now and say yeah that's not me I'm the guy that gets in there and gets it done. And that's what they used me. That's what they, I shouldn't say they used me because that's what I was good at. And that's where my stuff, but for any business, a lot of times, especially for a corporation, when they start evolving and growing, that position is not something that they need Mm. anymore and and so forth. So I took that and I I ran gyms. I ran, uh, I worked for 24 hour fitness. Mm -hmm. I learned that whole ropes through under Mark Masterov. And if you know who Mark is and Jim Rowley and those, Mark is like the guru of fitness. Like, I mean, you look him up, like he owns UFC gyms, Mm -hmm. him, Jim Rowley uh, own UFC gyms. So, but we learned up, up under those guys of how to, how to run a club, you know, and then so many other people. And then, Brian Bradford, and then I got connected with Anytime Fitness with with Dave and uh, Mortensen and, and all those guys. And, you know, running, but I knew what I wanted. And it was just people had told me for years, hey, man, you need to go open your own academy and do your thing. That You need, that's your, you need to do that. What are your chances of you adopting the 24-hour model into your jiu-jitsu gym so I can have a card to go whenever <laughs> I want I have access? Man, it, here's the problem. Like, it's it's insurance yeah that's the problem it's it's an insurance thing like if 
if for some reason you someone let's say you you guys are in there training and one of you gets hurt and then one of you decides to sue me it's an insurance thing and it always comes at where lawyers and insurance i'm telling you man it's <laughs> you know it's but no but you guys know i mean if mm -hmm. you guys want to come in and train you i'm there all the time you mm -hmm. literally text me hey brian we want to come in are you okay if we come in and do this i'm mm -hmm. like yeah man i'm I'm right upstairs. I'll come right down. Mm -hmm. Like I, I never want anyone to not train if they want to train. Yeah. Like I, I don't, that's why, you know, a lot of places too, like there's some things in jujitsu that I just don't get. Like there's really like, like for me to do what I did in, in the judo side of things, I had to beat my own teammates. I had to, mm -hmm. if I wanted to be the best, if I wanted to have that shot at an Olympic medal, if I wanted to have that shot at the world medal, I had to beat the guys. I had to beat guys I trained with. That was just part of the, the understanding, you know. And I, I, so like, I'm still trying to figure out closeouts. Still trying to figure that whole thing out. So you know, I just, I guess my mindset is like closeouts. You know, so like if you go into a competition, right, and two guys are from the same, yeah, and they stuff, then they oh. they don't compete. Now I, I get it. I understand it was explained to me really well, but. Still, like if if you and I are from the same affiliate, but we don't ever train together, <laughs> I'm like, like we should still have a match because if if we're in the finals of the worlds and I want to be world champion and you want to be world champion, mm -hmm. then we should have that match. Jujitsu right? is just there's a difference between a strict qualifying system versus a bunch yeah. of different series of events right. all happening. You know right. what I mean? You're you're everybody's on this centralizing track up to the Olympics. Yep. Well, there's all kinds of different versions of the world champion in yeah. jujitsu. Right. And, exactly. And it's a web rather than a line. You right. Know? So I'm, but I'm just thinking. I, but my thought process is, I get it. But I'm like, if you really want to truly say that you're the world champion for that year or whatever it is, or you're yeah. the best. I'm the world it, champion, except for my buddy Bill. Correct. We didn't fight. Right. But no. I. Right. And I mean. I mean, now, I, where I could understand that, maybe, is that if you're my training partner, we train together every day. But the other reality is I, I also know that if one of us wanted to go to the Olympics, I mean, if you put jujitsu in the Olympics, you, you're going to have to beat your, your fellow teammates. It's a normal part of wrestling, too. It is. You do it even, yeah. at, even at local competitions. Yeah. If the bracket works yeah. out that way, that's how it works out that way. Yeah. Because well, every every converging yeah. line in that style it of tournament one point. works one point. all the way but, up yeah. to the Olympics. I think, in personal opinion, I think jiu-jitsu also is just starting to really shed some of the toxic uh, culture points mm. that were attached to it. Like. Cult. Yeah. Your points. You can't go train at other schools. You well, can't talk to you, other people. You, know you can't me, question like, the professor. You can't uh, compete against your own teammates. You can't touch feet. You know. Blah, blah, you blah, know blah. He, here's here's the thing for me, and you you know you know how I am about this. If you are if you have a good attitude, mm -hmm. if you are a good training partner, if you if if you come in with no ego and just wanting to to get on the mat and train and spend time with other people. Like my always a biggest academy owner's biggest fear is that someone comes in and they're going to hurt their students and then mm -hmm. they're going to lose a student. Right. That's if they're not, if the person's not part of it. And as long as you, you come in and you're a good training partner and you have my students and my academy's best interest at heart um, for, and, and you get good training, people are welcome. I, I don't have any problem with people coming to training. Mm -hmm. If you want to go, go over to M theory and train because 
your buddies. Go. Yeah, man. Go. You're you're probably going to, if you learn something new, bring it over. But that's also ties you in. Know? Yeah, and it goes right hand in hand, in my viewpoint, of competing. Then you turn around and competing against your own teammates because you're not taking it at such a personal level. It's right. a game. Right. You think chess players don't compete against the, their they own teammates? To. You know, I mean, it's. Does chess players have teammates? Oh, I'm sure they have. Seems like you'd have to have other people watching your board. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just I, I don't like, know enough about it, so I'm, you, now I'm curious. You, you play off other people guys. all the time. You Is know? it like can you do tag team chess? Hmm. You know what? How about ch- fight chess? Every time you take oh, a move, God. then you also have to hit the person. <laughs> oh God! Oh jeez. Hey, tell me about the Olympics. What do you want to know? First Olympics, how'd it go? Uh you're talking about from competition or experience. <laughs> <laughs> um so I, let me let me say this a couple people i'm i've mentioned my list of upcoming guests or whatever yeah, yeah. and inevitably somebody said um confirm what we all know about oh god the, are you gonna ask yeah. me about the whole sex thing yeah um, you know what yeah, i was driving i was driving over here today because when someone <laughs> asks me about the olympics that is the number one question that i is. get yeah. yeah is there it's just spicy. tons of sex going on i hear they're handing out condoms all Not over the place condoms <laughs> Dude, so so seriously, yeah. that's what I get that question all the time. I, I okay, yeah. here. Okay, so here's what I'll say about. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Ask your question. Chris. I'm more baffled that people are shocked that a bunch of incredibly athletic and gifted and physically peaking people in their te- late teens and early twenties are having sex. When you find that out, and you go, "Is that true?" Yeah, what kind of life have you been leading? <laughs> yeah, you, that's a strange so, reality for you. Stop asking questions because you don't want to know any more answers. <laughs> so, so here's what I'll say. I've never seen them walk around, anyone walking around hanging out condoms. Never seen that, ever. It's not like they, you know, they have McDonald's inside the Olympic Village and they're open 24-7. I've never seen someone outside with a basket of condoms saying, here, would you like some condoms or mm-hmm. anything? So I've never seen that. They definitely didn't give it to us when we went through processing, for sure, when we got all our Olympic apparel. We, didn't get, we didn't get it there, I can tell you that. The official Sydney condom. Yeah, the offic- right, right, exactly, right? Another Olympic sponsor, potentially. I didn't see that part of the condom. So, but, man, here, here's the thing. I, I can't say that it's probably not happening, yeah. but I, I don't think people realize that it's not, as, it's not as simple as that. You don't have your own room at the Olympics, like, it's not like you have your own bedroom. Mm-hmm. Like, you're rooming with your teammate, right. and you're rooming with your your team. So, like, like in some of them, like, we were in, like, we were upstairs, and then the lower, the, I'm sorry, we were downstairs in Athens, and then the, the girls' softball team was upstairs and stuff like that. But you're with your entire team. So, for something... So it's a group approach is what you're saying. Well, God, no, let's not start that. <laughs> so but no, it's just, the next it's, just not, <laughs> it's just not easy because there's people coming and going all the time. They're oh, doing, yeah. What what and going? You know, not that. So <laughs> they're they're walking through the door and they're walking into the living room and then out yeah, the door. Okay. So it's it's not it's just not easy. Right, now right. I'm sure there are ways. People picture it. people picture dorm rooms, like yeah. what they remember. From no, college. it wasn't. Like, yeah, it's not. Sure. I mean, people it, it, picture the Revenge of the Nerds. Let's be honest. That's no, it's definitely not. Out. There's no no lunar room or anything yeah. like that. I think more band kids in college are more like what we think the Olympic Village scene is like. Focused. You know, here, now here's They're the thing: focused and <laughs> it, doing good. It, it could be, but people got to understand: there's cameras everywhere. 
inside the Olympia Village. So it's everywhere. A kinky, it's a kinky group approach. Okay. Well, it's your original OnlyFans. I don't know. So, <laughs> it's only, so but the only funny fans. part about me is I was done every Olympics. I was done on the fifth day of the Olympic Games. Yeah. So and we were there for the entire rest of the games. So what were you doing? Uh, we went. I mean, we Eating. blew off steam. You know, a lot of McDonald's. Yeah. A lot of McDonald's. I mean, and here's the thing, right? You're athletes, right? And when you work for that long um, and for that stuff, regardless of the outcome, you're going to blow off steam. Yeah. So we were out all the time. I mean, we would go out and we did our, you know, as an Olympic athlete, you do, I, I would say you do your share of partying. Absolutely. You know, especially after the games are done. Well, People go out, the bars are packed. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, well, it's what it is. Well earned, too. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'm more the most shocking thing about the whole thing is that Olympians are just living off McDonald's. Hey man, where's the super blew, size me on it, that one? It blew my mind when I walked in and there was 24 hour 24 7 McDonald's. Yeah, that so you you'd go. I ate nothing McDonald's for and then days and then after you know you can you can get tickets to go watch the events. Yeah, so in like in Atlanta, we had we had live feeds into our room. So in Atlanta is a little bit easier because Atlanta was, uh, I'm sorry, it was Georgia Tech University, right? Mm -hmm. Is where where the village was, and but we we could watch all we could turn the channel and watch all the different venues, the the media feed coming, so we could watch all the events, or you could potentially get tickets and actually go watch the events, which was pretty cool, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff, and and that was fun. I mean, but you know, we'd go watch events after we were done. I mean, we hang out inside the village and then we'd go out and stuff at night and stuff and come back in and and that's what we did man we you know you earn that olympic experience and you know especially for the first couple you're you're definitely going to experience every single aspect of it yeah which is pretty awesome so but so it was I, great i actually don't know any of the official technical details so how did judo go so judo uh i did okay i didn't do great um i lost second round i think um, I lost to the guy from Lithuania, really good player, uh, short and stocky. I mean, short Gross. and stocky. I hate people like that. No, like he's just a <laughs> dang powerhouse. And I I'd had a good match with him the year uh, prior prior to the Olympics and stuff in in uh, in Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic at you know Czech Republic. But um, I had had a good match with him, um, and then I ended up I ended up getting you know, something happening in the match and got down by a small point and that was enough. And then he went off and he lost to the guy the next round that took uh, silver that year. So not a great performance. Uh, you know, not the performance that I wanted to have, but the Olympics are pretty overwhelming during your first one, man. Um, I mean, yeah, tell me about it. Just the first one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, well, if it's your first one, well, yeah, for sure, yeah. Because you're, I mean, when you're getting your, when you're going through processing, you basically have a grocery cart, and they just start putting things in, like all your apparel and all your stuff, and they're, they're get, you're, you're getting, you're going and looking at rings, leather jackets, and all this different stuff that come with it, right? I'm picturing so, an intake scene from Stripes. Yeah, yeah, That's literally. Exactly I mean, I'm you're picturing. just going, you're just going through <laughs> it, and they're putting stuff in, right? Um, and and so for your first one, man, it can be pretty darn overwhelming. Like you can get lost in the shuffle of all the, the photo ops and all these other things and 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 everything and. And for not so much forget why you're there, but I mean, it can be overwhelming, especially, I mean, I was 24, man. Uh, you yeah. know, I was like, oh, and it's inside the U S you know, and stuff. And I had a lot more hair back then. <laughs> so, um, 
but yeah, it, so the first one was okay. Like it, it, I didn't do bad. I didn't do great. Uh, it was definitely a learning experience that said, listen, I got to change some things up, you know, with how I'm doing things and where I've got to be at and what I've got to do to be able to accomplish what I want to do. And so I made those adjustments and, and so forth and started it off. And um, 97 was a good year. So 97, I pretty much was overseas all the time. Like I was, I was competing and, and doing it and, um, you know, just training camps left and right. And that year I actually took bronze in the world's which was pretty to make that jump Mm -hmm. um, beat a lot of great guys lost to the guy. Like he was kind of my arch nemesis for a while. German guy Um, lost to him had, had had some, some pretty brutal matches with him and stuff. And he just sloshed me every time, man, just threw the hell out of me every time. (laughs) Like he would just catch me. I mean, had a, just couldn't get a grip on him properly and stuff. And, just would get caught. Same thing in the world's got caught. Went right over. I was like, oh. But then had to come back through that loser's bracket. But they had that loser's bracket the way it was before. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and worked worked my way back. And it was in Paris. And the mats are packed over in Paris. Have you ever seen judo in Paris? It's it's kind of like... Uh, kind of like wwe when it comes to putting butts in the stands like it's and they're super super knowledgeable super engaged they know yeah yeah it's it's amazing so it's an amazing place to be at um and yeah and ended up bronze there and stuff and the funny part is the guy that i fought for bronze was the guy that eliminated me in the olympics so the lithuanian so i beat him i beat him for bronze nice yeah so which was yeah it was a it was, a, it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good one. That's and the icing on the cake. When it's, when it's yeah, it was, it was a good one. It was, it was definitely sweet revenge, but had I lost that, I would have mm-hmm. probably went, about, went out back and just punched myself in the eyeball a couple <laughs> times. Or maybe worse, I don't know. We'll see. So but what was your best and or favorite Sydney Olympics? was my best finish. Second one or third? Second one? Olympics, Second one? yeah. Yeah, so I was seventh. So I was – it was heartbreaking, um, but it was uh, – it was by far the best finish. So the guy that ended up winning, Huizinger from the Netherlands, ended up winning. I was beating him by a half-point score, which is a big score in, in, in judo. It's a it's a two half-points, and the match is done, right, mm. F- a full point. Um, and then that happened, you know, where I got I got caught, stumbled on the toe, and he came up and yeah. just plowed, plowed me right into the ground. Yeah. And then I um, – I went through it and I had, I did not have an easy road. Like it, I had a European champ, um, that next round I had, um, I had, uh, the Cuban, the Cuban at that time, you want to talk about a physical specimen. This guy abs looked like a cut piece of glass, like, and just strong, like, but I, for some reason I just, I had his number, mm-hmm. like my footwork was, was really good. So I foot swept him for a full point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so I just, there was something about it. Like I had his, I had his number. Um, so it's just, just one of those things, right. Where like he can beat everybody else, but then he comes up with someone like me and I'm just that guy that's yeah. got, so I did that, but I ended up losing. I ended up losing at that time. They, they did two out of three. So they would have a referee in the middle and then two corner judges. So then they would do the flags. So mm-hmm. I went, I went to fight for bronze. I lost a two to th- uh, two to one decision. To fight for bronze, yeah, in oh. that Olympics, 
in the last I got scored upon. I was winning. I got scored upon in the last second and it evened it up and then I lost. Yeah. I've heard so. bronze is the happiest spot in the Olympics uh, outside of gold. Second, Only if you win. Well, it was, Only if you make yeah. bronze. If you don't, yeah. it's probably the worst place to be. Yeah. Because you're what, just like. That's what I've heard. I've heard second and fourth are the hardest spots because you're so close to being to that are. really comfortable are. spot. Yeah. But still, with second, you're still coming away with the medal. You are, but there's but it's still there, tough. There's yeah. like this depression of like you were so close to being yep. the guy, yep. and then third places, you're like, well, I've made the medal stand, and I wasn't gonna be you first, know, so this is about yeah. The thing that gets. It, it's it's tough, man. There and there's different levels, right? I mean, the one thing you got to know about the Olympics as well is that not everyone's gonna be a, uh, a medal contender. Yeah, some countries just being able to go and represent their country mm-hmm. is, is, is something they'll, they'll, it's something that means more that it means to as much to them as an Olympic gold medal. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, you know, that may be their only shot of ever getting out of their country. Yeah. That yeah. may be the only time. So, I mean, you know, there's two ways to look at it. I mean, you know, you look at, at that world, that human, that humanitarian type uh, thing that says, listen, this is, this is something that's bigger. It yeah. is bigger than a metal. Like it, yeah. it, it truly is the camaraderie that comes that's with a, it. And that's stuff. the guy you're holding for in the first round, isn't it? Give me that dude from Greece. There ain't, guy. there ain't too many of them anymore, man. With uh, the, yeah. There's not too many of them. What's anymore? that cat from well, Turkey all... doing nowadays? I don't even my first round. <laughs> Turkey's tough, bro. I'm just pull. I don't really Let me know. Tell you, Turkey has got a yeah. good team. The country you're probably looking for is the U S actually. Give uh, me that guy from no, the U S. No, dude, trust me. Yeah. Some right. of them there. Yeah. Uh, we can't, we can't field a we don't have the financial resources to 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 get a full team like that Mm -hmm. and i would say and in that i would say that even today with the exception of maybe like japan or certain places not every places has like those contenders like those people that are you know that are a lock i would say japan this last olympics did did amazing compared to what even what they've done in the past like they had more gold medals this past Olympics, then I couldn't even tell you. Japan makes some bangers over there. Their they women, do. their women's they wrestling do. is the team to beat too. Oh, oh man, let me tell you, they're you, you don't see their. Look up some of their judo players, and you'll yeah. look at them, and you're like, "Oh, so they got these, cow. yeah, they got these judo players and these yeah. female wrestlers, and then the kids are gonna come out just yeah. cyborgs and beat the whole world down." Yeah, it's you know, but it's Japan's it's got that slow takeover. Yeah, well, Japan's they're they're always they've always been tough. Man. I wonder why they don't have any fighters that really represent them. In MMA, I don't know. Maybe it's just a matter of time. Well, I mean, they they did have some good fighters like Yoshida. He's yeah, a, he's a but they haven't had for judo. Yeah, but they're I mean, they're not enough to be known as like. I mean, it's still U.S. Yeah. and Brazil if you're yeah. gonna be coming out yeah. fighting, right? And well, that, I mean, Nigeria, the, the Dagestan, yeah, Dagestanis Dagest- now. I yep. mean, with Khabib and all those guys, that could I mean, die away if they don't start. I mean, they're gonna. But well, you know, it, they just started a, a promotion. Yeah, right? the Eagle FC. Yep. But if they don't make another Habib or two, it's gonna be like, well, he was a guy from Dagestan. Well, dude, they got they've got some guys. They've got some guys. Chimaev, for sure. and mm-hmm. then um, you've got uh, Makachev. You got you got quite a few. Not all of them are just, claiming Dagestan though. Some of them are going for like Sweden and fighting out of Sweden and kind of. No, no, no. You just I mean, you just look for that shitty beard they all got with no mustache. That's how yeah. you know it's from. But they're Dagestan. not part of yeah. the uh, the Eagle Fight Club, you know that Habib and the yeah. boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. um, no, but the Olympics were good, man. I mean, that was my best finish. Yeah. Um, Athens was, Athens was uncomfortable for me. Like it just something about it. Like 
the bed was too short. No, no, no. We, I don't know, man. We just <laughs> to prevent. The I don't banging. know. It just you know how you get there and just some things don't feel like they're clicking. Yeah, that was definitely one of my. You wake up and you just can't get your. Well, it's like I don't know, man. It's just like I just didn't feel like like me. Mm-hmm. Like I just. It just, there was just something about it. Like either my brain wasn't there on that day. And, yep. and after that, so after that one, I thought, you know, uh, I decided I was going to hang it up. Right. So I retired for what, two years, a little bit over two and two and a half years. How'd that feel? It was, well, it was good. I mean, I was working and, and stuff and, but I, I'd kind of, I kind of missed it. Right. And I started getting that itch, so I decided I was going to give it another shot. Mm-hmm. Problem is, I hadn't done any—I hadn't done any judo. I mean, I—I I was working in a health club, so I was staying in shape. But the problem is, I hadn't done any judo in two years, so my body had changed physically at that. Mm-hmm. And during that time, we had—I'd uh, gotten married and and stuff, and you know, we had a—we had a Bryce was on the way and stuff, and I was just like, man, if I don't do it now, I'm always going to regret. Mm-hmm. you know, not giving it a go. So came out of retirement uh, and it was probably, you want to talk about challenging? It was probably the hardest thing that I've ever had to do. Um, my body had changed just dramatically and I was in my thirties at that point. Yeah. And so I was going to say just the years, just a couple just, extra years. Yeah. I mean, now, now I, I tell people, I'm like, listen, if you're, if you're going to retire and take some time off and then come back, you got to still be training mm-hmm. at some level. You, you can't just, not my brain had the judo side, my body had the judo side, but my ligaments, my tendons, my muscles yeah. weren't ready for that that Almost. stuff. So I broke my foot twice. Ugh. Yeah, within there, and, and it was a fluke thing, man. I was was working with a kid. Uh, one now this this kid who is not a kid anymore is now married and he's twenty seven, and he was an all American heavyweight for Lehigh University. Okay. Uh, so you want to talk about a specimen? Yeah, very, very much a specimen. Um, just an ama- amazing family. But I was working some footwork drills, and he was younger, and we were working some footwork drills, and it was inside sweep, right? And so I had my back to someone, and so what happened was, is I w- we were going this way, and the other people were coming right into me, and mm-hmm. they ran right into me, and my foot got stuck. So oh, he hit it and turned my foot and just broke my foot. Like I couldn't go anywhere. Like, and yeah. he was sweeping. It was a good sweep, and we were just moving. But I got yeah. stuck, so I had to. Damn. I, yeah, and I when was. your feet get stuck, bad shit happens. Dude, dude just gonna say we get two serious data points. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's, but you know, so I had to. I had a lot of adversity during that that last trying to make that last team. I had a lot of adversity, broken, just you know, brains not where it was. Wife was pregnant. Um, you, you know, you made the team that time. I did, yeah. So there's I there's got to be like a little extra layer of pride on top of it. It did, it did. It, you know, I think, I think, um, and man, I I lost to some of the guys that I hadn't lost to. Like I lost, I lost in the first time in the U.S. Mm. Yeah, um, I lost at the nationals in the finals, first time. The guy that was number one, I didn't go to that trials number one, and I had gone into every trials in the past number one. Um, I just didn't have enough time to get to kind of get there and stuff. Um, but yeah, so, but there was a lot of adversity on that one. And so the trials were with wrestling actually in Vegas in 2008. Yeah, yeah. Our I trials see. were at the same. So wrestling was going on, judo was going on at the same, Kevin, same time. Kevin same place. at Victory has that banner in the hallway. If you ever want to yeah. go see it or sign, you should sign that thing. I'm trying to remember. I, yeah, I, th- I think I saw it actually when I was there. Yeah. 
but it but it was it was awesome like that was a great trials like mm-hmm. because wrestling was happening at the same time and it was a lot of cool stuff did y'all going. like talk and hang out and like being like no man. Every, man everyone they should have forced y'all to no, be like dude, every everyone was just on their thing man when you're in that there's so much pressure <laughs> Dude, I can tell you what—that's the most pressure I've ever had on my on myself. Yeah. Like competing internationally, competing at the Olympics, because yeah, man. I mean, I I, I did all of this stuff to come out mm-hmm. of retirement and to 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 give it one last go, win, lose, or draw, to try and see what I could do. Um, Y'all should have an alumnus party for that year. Like, bring all the wrestlers back and the ju- and the judo oh guys gosh. back. Oh, and now they're all. I, like, so I see a guys. lot of them. I still see a lot. I still talk to quite a few of them yep. that were on the team. Throw out some yeah. mats next to some pools. Watch you guys. No, we're good. Information. We're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah, you know how that e- egos are still there. Dude. Yeah, egos are always still Hell there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say you say that People now. Get but we're just in the like, pool left and right. Oh God. No, but it, it, it was. But that there was a lot of adversity on that one. Um, it was a. Uh, you know, breaking my ankle, coming through, mm-hmm. wife being pregnant, you know, um, just trying to make it one more time through and so forth. But where were those ones at? They were in Vegas. Those trials. Oh, I'm sorry. The trials yeah. were in Vegas. That was in that was in Beijing. Okay. So that was for Beijing. In Beijing, it didn't go. It didn't go great. I mean, it didn't. Yeah. I was 30. How old was I? 34, 35 mm-hmm. at the time. I was definitely past my prime for sure. Um, and I can look back and say that now without any. You know, uh, kids yeah. today are str- they're stronger, faster, yeah. <laughs> D all of the above, right, and stuff like that. So, I would assume an, another inflection point, but trading out the competitor hat fully for the coach hat, and yeah, that's why you, you were talking about having kind of a clean break with that mindset yep. and working to build other people. I'm yeah. assuming that was some version of the point at which you made the decision. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I, I knew that my career was done after that. Like I, I knew I was like, okay, it's definitely time to to put it up. And and see the thing about it is is that people wanna they want they think that they think that creating an Olympic medal is the only th- an Olympic medalist is the only thing that defines them. And see, I don't I don't agree with that. I think I think that's great. I said, but are you creating better individuals? Mm-hmm. You know, are maybe this person is on the mat and they're with you forever. And they're a successful husband and a successful businessman or a successful father, whatever it may be, or for vice versa, for a female. Are they a successful mother? Are they successful in what they want to do? Are they good in their community? Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we all want the glams and the glitter, but the reality is, man, it's few and far between that people create Olympic medalists. It really is like, like Jimmy is a, is a, you know, is a rarity. He's he helped create Travis. Um, and Travis came from a lot of different places, but he, he was that, I would say that polish at the end with Travis, uh, and then Kayla, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he had Kayla quite a bit earlier, I think, but, I mean, is, but you don't see that happen. You don't see that happening. So that's very yeah. few and far between. And there's and in a lot of sports, there's finishing coaches and they are great at what they sure. do, but the majority of you're right. And that's what people, I mean. You have kids. Yep. And I can't assume. I got to assume. You're not pushing them into go judo. They're not going to junior nationals. I'm not living your life. No. And I, it's a hard, that's, I got to be careful as a parent. I have to be careful because I, I get back in that mindset. I'm like, why can't you just do this like this? And, and, and that's not, but they're smiling and they're having fun. Yeah. And I'm like, and just like you're with your students, I can't. Yeah, You're smiling and they're having fun. Well, it's like Ray. Yeah. Ray was in that. He was competing yeah. at the grappling industries, and he had match back to back to back with no rest. And he's out there, and this guy's just got him down. And I'm like, "Come on, man! Come on, man!" 
you got a minute left. Let's yeah. go get trying. He goes, I am trying, you yeah. know? And, and I, I just sat back and I'm like, he is. Yeah. What, what do you say? It's like, yeah. yeah, he is. And I just sat back and I'm like, all right, just keep, keep working. Mm-hmm. Keep doing your thing. But, and you know? maybe he's not going to go win a world title. No, or whatever, no, but it's but it's just like his life is certainly going to be better because correct. of your gym, right? And, and, and that's my focus. Like my my focus is not on the competition. Now I love competition, absolutely, wholeheartedly. But and if st- my students want to compete, I support it one hundred and fifty percent. But if you're happy just being on the mat and training, and that's improving your daily lifestyle, mm-hmm. man, who, who who can ask for more than that? Yeah. I'm like if you're if you're a, if it's helping you to be a better individual, a better parent, better at your job, mm-hmm. what just happy. I kind of look at it this way. Yeah. If you're yeah, how your gym, a lot of some coaches will brag up about how their gym did at team points. I don't. Yeah, I like to see I like to I really judge a gym by how they did it during the charitable times. Yeah. You know, what what yeah. are what are they doing to make the world a better place? Cuz yeah. yeah, cool you got a bunch of medals hanging on your wall, but this see, other gym might have a whole bunch of game changers. How many medals do you see on my wall? None. Zero. Yeah. Because I'm like, that doesn't define us. No. That but if you had a bunch of people that invent, where it became doctors, like some yeah. kids that grew up there became I would doctors. love to put their yeah. picture up. Yeah. I'd love to create a journey about them. Yeah. This kid's been here since he was six and he's an astronaut now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I, here's the thing. Like, I, I got, everyone's got a lot of medals. Mm-hmm. Everyone has that. But I'm like, they're medals. Two Olympics down the way. People are not going to remember who won the Olympics two before. Yeah, I'm like, they're going to remember you who for who you are. That's how I want to be remembered right now. Is mm-hmm. I want to create something special, and I think we're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to have a great place where people want to come and train. The kids are laughing; they're having a blast. And if you want to compete, then absolutely, then yeah. we go compete mm-hmm. and we do it the right way. Yeah, but I I don't I'll never tell someone they have to. I'll, there's two things I'll never tell people in my academy. One, you got to teach because I think you have to want to teach first mm-hmm. because if you're forced into that, then you don't want to be there, then it's going to affect the students. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't. If you want to teach and that's a passion, then absolutely. I'll never tell them you have to compete. Yeah. I'll tell them, hey, if you want to find out where you're at, the way to test yourself is to do a competition. That's the best way to test yourself. I said, but I said, I'll never tell you, you have to do it. If you're, if you're happy being right there and training and sweating and that's how you, you love life, mm-hmm. man, it is that's a good enough time. for me. It's enough for me. It's an, and that's the way. I, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're doing well mm-hmm. is because our, our culture is really good. Um, and I, I know, I know everyone, I know all my students. And if they're not coming mm-hmm. they're you know how it is, you're getting a text from me. Yeah. I, I want people on the map because I know the impact of what it can have. You think this them. summer we can get a little Weber grill set up in the parking Absolutely. lot? Grill yeah, in the summer. I ain't doing it in the winter. No, not in the winter, but no, the, I'm not doing summertime. it in the winter. As long as you don't burn things down, we're fine. You know, Andy likes to hang out all day. Well, but you are a firefighter. So we're, yeah. so we're good. Just make sure you have oh, all your, yeah, but I'm off duty. I'm not hey, a man. guy. I can't scan. He's off duty when he's off duty. He's off duty. He's way off duty. Light switch on off. Hey, we got we got the we got the spray. You know, you're saying like being Olympian. You, you once you turn on that competitor, you know, I can't I, turn it on. Hey man, I'm with you. I can't just I'm be fighting fires, 